0: And I found an article that says, title, Metroid Dread file size is smaller than a Call of Duty update by Zach Zwinzen. No shit. It's almost
1: because it looks like it does.
0: Well, that's the thing. (laughs) Apparently, Metroid Dread is 4.1 gigabytes. And the last Call of Duty update uh, was over 10 gigabytes. So what is
1: this article trying to prove?
0: Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, Nintendo. There's a
1: lot more uncompressed like graphics and audio going on in that Call of Duty update. Nintendo
0: sure. is notoriously very good at compression. It's the reason the GameCube discs were small. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very good with compression. They have this. Pro- they are. They have this proprietary compression algorithm that works really well. I don't even know what the largest uh, <laughs> SD card yeah, that you can use in the Switches middle, middle, middle out algorithm. <laughs> but yeah. um, but here's the thing that probably compressed Metroid Dread from like. Let's be generous and say 8 gigs down to 4.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to output 4K or yeah. anything like yeah. that. So,
0: a couple of things to note. Number one, 4K textures are very large. Yep. Okay, when you, are, when you are being expected to be played on a 4K TV or monitor, you need to include much larger textures, and they are hard to compress. Yes. Number two, the, the Nintendo Switch does not support Dolby Atmos. Sound is, sound is also, very hard to compress. Yeah. And a lot of games, because of things like Dolby Atmos and DTS and surround sound and stuff, yeah. store their files in as lossless a format as they possibly can. Correct. Should they do that? Maybe not. <laughs> also, when you are running a game off of a computer or when you're running a game cross-platform, so Xbox One, two, you have to account for Hard drives and solid-state drives, which load at different speeds, so you have to include multiple versions of the same texture in order to load in level of detail. Well, I mean, I was going to say, like... In addition to high-level animations as well. Various opinions about the current state of of
1: Call of Duty aside, those games are complete fucking packages. They're like...
0: And they also have... Yeah, you also have multiplayer... There's a
1: campaign campaign with cutscenes. There's a competitive uh, multiplayer, a cooperative multiplayer... I don't like know about you guys, but a lot I, assets.
2: I for one, am shocked and awed at this news that Kotaku delivered. I mean, <laughs> where would we be without this, this this journalist telling us that? Were you Nedry saying that was Dredd a very is, reactionary uh, headline? I just truly, I I feel the outrage just boiling within me. There's I, a
0: lot of Nintendo fanboys defending them well, because because the. But how again, is, but... I'm. What was the intention of that writing? Was it? The For or against of, here's anything. The I, I, here's the thing. I agree with it. The intention of the writing was to be like, games are too big, which we've said before. I agree. Yeah. Call yeah. of Duty especially is, uh, is uh, like... it's such. A t- but to use Metroid as a framing device? Also, let's say that I'm <laughs> playing Halo Infinite. And Halo Infinite comes out and it's 100 gigs. All right. The Master Chief collection is like 120. Yeah. Right, but
1: that's also... Four or five games with diff- yeah. all different net codes. and
0: Yeah. Sure. But let's just say for the sake of it that Halo Infinite is 100 gigs, right? I'm playing it on my Xbox Series X, which has a terabyte hard drive. Mm-hmm. So I'm using one-tenth of the hard drive. Yeah. Metroid Dread is four gigabytes on a system that has a 32-gigabyte hard drive. So I'm using one eighth of the I hard g- drive. G- I got you. Now I know you can expand it. I, I know you can expand it with SD cards, but there is clearly a difference in ex- expectation between <laughs> file sizes on the Nintendo Switch and file sizes on the Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five. But if
1: you can, if you can instigate a flame war in your comments, then well, hold well, on, on a one, second.
2: The Switch is a 32 gigabyte. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs>
0: Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Do yeah. they make flash drives bigger than that these days? Well, that's you can expand it with SD cards. I mean, you have to. I, like, have so, yeah. you ever
1: have you ever seen that there are physical Switch games out there that have on the box like you can't play this unless you have external storage as an
0: option? Yeah, because they're too. They're bigger than thirty-two games. Yo, man,
2: they need the they need the expansion pack for the N
0: sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the RAM. Fucking the RAM, They that. had extra RAM. Oh my god! But uh, I mean. So, I agree with both sides of the thing. It, no, Nintendo, I do too. Nintendo yeah. is notoriously good at compression. Yeah. And it is impressive that they can get these games like Breath of the Wild is like 12 gigs. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, Mario Odyssey is pretty small. But also, you're you're, you're programming for one console that you know will output at 720, so cool it cool <laughs> it a little bit, okay? <laughs> like uh what's it called? Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is programmed only for the PlayStation 5. Yeah. So it doesn't have to worry about uh the ps4's hard drive or a computer's hard drive or anything like that yeah. that game is 30 gigs that could fit on an. and a it w- it looks phenomenal yeah, at 4 is. in 4k so yeah maybe cool your dress well a they bit. they went with the
1: most okay. extreme and egregious example they the, could which is Call of Duty yeah
2: and also okay it is quite like it is a textbook example of comparing apples to oranges it's like yes. the two yeah. games are so different that they're in they're, scale and scope yeah and, exactly yeah. there you get absolutely no value from a direct comparison of both mm-hmm. of them it's just a completely different like, it's yeah, like but you, I, you get people going at it it's like if I it's like if Becca back, <laughs> I mean, uh, back when the 3ds was out if like if I made a a uh, uh an article that was just like did you know that the average three D S game is smaller than like a three like a, a PS five or a PS four game? It's like, well yeah, no shit. Like yeah. <laughs> and also Midroid Dread, it's like it's like a uh, it's mostly it's it's side scrolling. It's three D but it's mostly side scrolling, yeah, isn't it?
0: So you only have to render everything one direction. That is <sighs> also that game looks bad. Anyway Let's get into the podcast. Oh, woof. Yeah, You're really going to leave it with that? No, I'm just kidding. When I say looks bad, I mean I'm going to buy it because it looks fun to play, but the graphics don't look like... The graphics look like it's about six, six gigabytes. Shadow complex. Yeah. So congratulations yeah. on compressing that, that is from exactly. a DVD size into a smaller size. That
2: actually would have been a better example compared... Well, what's the size of Shadow Complex? Is it Probably looks... a few yeah. gigs. I mean, like, yeah. it,
0: it's just... It, what? Uh shadow complex was just embrace a, like an XBLA arcade game, which right. they were limited. To oh, two they gigabyte. were! Yeah. Wow. I
2: mean. Oh, well, in that case, Medrid Dread Dre is actually pretty bad at compressing. Uh, yeah, suck its it's
0: at Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: actually, I'm actually looking forward to playing that <laughs> no, game. I am too. It, so it, yeah, it looks good, but yeah. it's,
1: it is just. Uh, God, I. It's, I think it's still also to, not to temper expectations for anyone who's is super excited, but isn't it also a,
0: a fifty dollar game? Yes. Which is like. Yeah, where's the rest of my gigabytes? I get what you're <laughs> that's, saying. No, yeah. that's not what I get I was what you're saying. saying. No, that's what I was going I'm with i I'm paying it too. per gigabyte uh, here. Uh, Call of Duty have... gives me a 250 <laughs> gigabytes for $60. Yeah. What yeah. am I I'm paying $50 I never for? should have brought this for
2: four. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, Come on, I'm, Nintendo. I'm 100% with Austin. It's like, well, fine, if I'm only getting like if I'm only getting a percentage of the gigabytes why is it not percentage yeah, yeah of the price, yeah. If you're still listening,
1: (laughs) we are back with part two on the development and release of the official adaptation of Harlan Ellison's horror sci-fi classic, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream by Studio Cyberdreams. This, of course, being a part of our podcast annual celebration of All Things Spooky for Halloween. Last week, we got a little bit into the background of our author at hand, as well as the origins of the company now assigned with the impossible task of translating such a provocative work of fiction into the interactive realm of video games. This is Hot Button. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley, Ooh. <laughs> And host of giving us the complete rundown of how this pointing-click adventure title from 95 found its way into disturbing us over 25 years later, Mr. Matt Newtaboom. Zug-zug. <laughs> um... Matt, uh, so what was uh, what was next for our fine folks as they pieced this nightmare together and oh, what yeah. we would know know it as today?
0: Well, just so, where well, we last left off. Yeah, uh, I guess it wouldn't be 1995 his name? Sears, David Sears. David Sears was going to spend a week with Arlen Ellison to help him write his script. <laughs> at yeah. his home. At his yeah. home, yeah. 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 He was
2: staying, he must have stayed at a guest bedroom or, or yeah. something. Which just, is like...
0: it's just straight out of Mank. It's all I can think yeah. He stayed on the pile of the rest of the bricks that didn't get nailed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. His pillow being a dead... Uh, God, what a, was it? A, a dead gopher. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that was like a, a gopher that was just fucking with his lawn, and then he took them out. Oh like, yeah, like, oh uh, it
2: was like it was like what do you call it? Caddyshack. Yeah, he yeah, like, yeah. He, yeah Harlan succeeded in killing the gopher. He, yeah, he dropped. He, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he dropped, like he like dropped like Molotov cocktails <laughs> down there. Uh, yeah. So. Jeez. Uh, so up to this point, we've talked about Cyber Dreams. their first two games, they were very successful in bringing in two very famous artists and connecting them with uh, you know, their development team, first H.R. Geiger. Yes. And then Sid Mead. Dark Seed. Darkseed. And then Sid Mead with Cyber Race, who worked on the cars of uh Blade Runner and did many, many other movies. So fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Uh so now we have here uh they wanna work with Harlan Ellison and so they bring in David Sears. They hired him. He used to be he was a journalist for Compute Magazine. Yeah. And they bring him in um only to tell him that, hey, your very first job as a game producer is going to go work with Harlan Ellison at his home and, of course, he knows- that I'd jump story. at that
1: opportunity, why it,
2: not? I mean, it's just such a- Originally, David Sears, as we had mentioned, he was expecting uh, A Boy and His Dog or Repent Harlequin, because those are well-known. Also, A Boy and His Dog, post-apocalyptic, definitely. It has, it's It's primed for survival horror Le- yeah. up, all, off the bat, but here's I Have No Mouth and I, and I Must Scream. The least accessible. <laughs> the like, least, yes. Yeah. Literally, the least <laughs> accessible of- Harlan's works and uh, thinks like like what have I just gotten myself into? Like this is insane. So certainly, certainly a situation to make you feel in over your head. And yeah. on top of that, Sears was already a fanboy of Ellison's work. Actually, he knew all about not just the author, uh, but also his works. And so imagine being a fan of some one of your favorite no, that's artists. The, that's the dream. So, but a the other, cyber dream. But the other thing is, imagine being the fan of one of your favorite artists, and then realizing, oh shit! If I like, if we poorly produce this game, oh, he's, he's gonna, gonna hate me. Yeah, imagine
1: and that. Yeah.
0: Mail me dead go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. And he'll
1: and he'll like. You also want him to acknowledge and respect video game. Like, there's a That's, lot to yes. prove. There's a lot. A s- lot on the line. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A lot
2: yeah. at stake here, and so obviously he's gonna feel the pressure. Uh, and he wanted to. He didn't want to damage Ellison's reputation with a bad game, but. Uh, Because we know what he would do about it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. He would would hold a grudge against you for the rest of your life, for sure. Yeah. The good news is, Sears reported that Ellison was welcoming and genuine, but to quote, he did not tolerate idiots, so... That was a direct quote from him, which I think is a very, you know, very accurate summary of Harlan Ellison. To the point. To, you know, provide some context. Harlan Ellison was notoriously, he was no notoriously- Just picture Abe Simpson shaking his fist at the cloud. That's... Yeah, he was a curmudgeon <laughs> and he was, he was, he was- Well, that's a bit extreme. It, it,
1: it was, di- like, it was directed what irritated him. Yeah, yeah. But-
2: but otherwise all around passionate guy very passionate i would say he was he was passionate he was argumentative and he was he was combative he was like he was not in afraid there. to get in your face and argue with you so he had developed a reputation as yeah, that i respect him <laughs> no it's, it is it is in many ways respectable video game translations are very hard to do so imagine walking into that scenario yeah. so, <laughs> so he was reported that he was he was a welcoming gracious host here That's is cool. where we have really just can just pull back the curtain and just see the creative process of this author uh working on this game and just going through it and it's like, you know, see uh see how the sausage is made, so to speak. So with a typewriter. With Apparently. a typewriter, yeah. So gross. Harlan. <laughs> he agreed to this project because he said specifically he had never done a game before and he was interested in taking on the challenge. So as the Best response, that is, yeah, despite not being a gamer and not owning a computer. No, and which is like mad (laughs) respect for this guy who was just like he wasn't gonna back away Mm -hmm. and he was up for the challenge. One of the things Harlan Ellison was also famous for is he published a lot of cultural critique just on everything television, society, sci fi in general. Of course, I want to read this stuff, yeah, and so one of the things he critiqued was the state of computer entertainment. Obviously, back then, for sure, he probably saw a lot more potential than what was... Yeah, uh, what he was drawing like conclusions yeah. from. I have no citation of this, but it is not hard to believe that he probably just absolutely roasted computer games, especially yeah. in, in the early 90s. He probably was like, this probably, is trash. He probably yeah. played an Amiga, and he's like, this is bullshit. That's, well, that's what I'm thinking. He probably played, <laughs> saw, he probably saw like, a couple of prime examples. Super and, Mario Brothers. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> Why not Super Mario Sisters? Why? Why so <laughs> patriarchal? Huh? Well,
1: that's why I didn't think I didn't even feel like he had access to like those consoles. It was probably more well, in the like the Commodore and no, and there was plenty of amazing. Oh, stuff. Oh, he never on he
2: never even he didn't even own a computer. No, I knew. Have,
1: no, I knew he didn't own a computer, but I just more meant from his like own, you know, just anecdotally like reading about. Yeah.
2: It. I mean, it makes sense. Imagine like Elite was a very very it. famous video game series. Imagine being like hearing like Elite. This game was like. Was absolutely groundbreaking, and then you play Elite, and it's like literally just a black screen for space and mm-hmm. a couple of lines for spaceships, and thinking like, "This is what people think is amazing." This is this is <laughs> awful. Yeah,
0: someone took the song Space Truck 'em by Deep Purple and made it boring. <laughs> 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 My review uh, of Elite, the original Elite. That's unfortunate. Uh, that song. collapsed So he uh, <laughs> he looked at, he looked at the computer the games and he said, "I have a mouth and I'm still screaming." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, just totally... Just giving, like, this <laughs> Seinfeld-like delivery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the task that lay before Sears and Ellison was fleshing out the story's sparse characterization and plot. Yeah, really expanding yeah, upon the... there is... If you haven't read the short story, it's it's a quick read, but it's, uh... Yeah, it, there's... It's there's, a quick read for a reason. It's yeah, an effective read. Yes, and uh, there really is. I think one of the characters, uh... Gorister, he really gets like maybe like two sentences describing him and that is his yeah. character. There's no characterization. The plot is like there's like a little bit of world building, but like just to get the Not story a lot, going, yeah. It's just like
1: a paragraph every once in a yeah. while.
2: And so they knew they knew up. going in, even even Harlan Ellison knew going in that it's like we need to Flesh out. I mean, he was
1: still interested in it this many years later to want to. That is, like, yeah. Explore the world. It like, it's a really
2: good point. That yeah. it's like, do you think like when they when they showed up and said like, yo, we want to adapt one of your works, and they were like, he was like, yeah, which one? Uh-huh. I have no mouth and I'm a screen. You think Harlan was just like, really? Why? Like, what, what that I, one? Yeah,
1: I guess I don't know. But I mean, yeah. like, if
2: if it still was that important to him yeah. personally, then. I think Harlan probably was a little bit tickled that someone had taken that much of an sure. interest and been like, yeah. I, I mean, you oh,
1: said he was prolific. Like, he published a lot. Oh, and yeah, this was, a lot, of, a lot
0: of stuff. When was... The, what year was this? This would be ninety four. Ninety 93? 93. 93. <laughs> well, 93. Okay.
2: So this process in particular, the very start, would have been 93. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was
1: published to your in development time. That yeah, makes sense. To your so time.
0: Yep. a little under 30 years after I Have No Mouth With initially yeah. Imagine
1: doing that much writing and like kind of remembering yeah. where you were, that state of mind, like when you.
2: Yeah. And the other thing too is like 25 years or so is like, that's like, that's enough time for like your personality changes. Like what uh-huh. you thought was good writing and what you, All what clear, you liked. Right. Clearly his did <laughs> No, he stayed just as cynical. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean,
1: there there's a bit of the the themes of that that remain evergreen, like like yeah, the, oh no, yeah, I think uh, and I mean, well as as you can not, see, it's not like any uh, horrible fear of war and like yeah, yeah. technology went away by ninety
2: three. And you know the other thing too is I suppose the sparse narrative of the story. I think he probably was excited by the fact that it was more of a an open canvas. I feel like yeah, uh, yeah. versus like if he had was restricted to like. You know, you got to respect the canon of this story. I feel like he would have probably felt very, you know, yeah. limited. So it did give him a chance. And, to, I, and to... I'm sure
1: we'll get into it, but there are character changes that I actually like. I support. Like, I, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. No, no, he did. It, I, was, it was smart.
2: I agree. That very thoughtful. Like this game, 100% expanded on the characters in a way that adds so much yes, to that, yeah. that story for sure.
0: I read I Have No Mouth probably, like, a couple weeks ago after we played it. And I read I Have No Mouth in high school. Same. That, yeah, that was the first time. And it is good read and an effective read, but it is hard to follow. A little bit. And reading it after playing the game does recontextualize a yes. lot of it. It does make it easier to follow. It
1: also made it, um, it... It kind of gave me some sort of internal visual to, like, keep that... Yeah. Like, yeah, to keep things rolling because it, it does there is a little bit of a scatterbrained kind of, yeah, you know, Based to it without the
2: for sure. Actually, now that I think a... about it. I mean, I read it after I saw like screenshots of the game and the synopsis, and because I had done that. Now that I think about it, it's like you can picture what Am looks like because he's depicted in the game yeah. as yeah. It's like the, the colossus sort of thing, the, the monolithic sort of thing. Also,
1: you kind of almost read the the voices the way that they are. Uh-huh. The, yeah. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> so, what pretty much kicked off their creative process is Sirius sat down with Ellison and prompted him with a question why were these characters saved by Am? Like, mm. what makes these five characters special? And that made Ellison realize that no one have ever asked him that question before in interviews about the story. Like, really? why are these people...
1: I'm almost shocked to hear that. Like, that was, like, the
2: first thing that I... And so this prompted him to immediately sit down to his Olympic manual typewriter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And begin to work. So it's mm-hmm. like, that's <laughs> all it took was another writer asking... He could, you know, he could think like, okay, I never thought about why Why were these people saved? And that's that's where the uh, concept come from. Over the next several days, Harlan carved out deeper backstories for each of the characters. Ellison and Sirius decided that the game would be split into five vignettes, so that's where the, the yep. design comes from, uh, each based on one of the five characters in which the player must navigate a series of ethical dilemmas to achieve a noble outcome for them. A very Harlan Ellison game concept, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Something you would, yeah. you would be interested in. From the beginning, Sears reports, uh, Harlan intended to address some very controversial topics, hoping to live up to a desire to give players a brand new gaming experience and introduce genuinely mature subjects to an art form where he felt it was lacking. That he did. That is ambitious. Ambitious and very respectful for an author who had never touched a computer. And that that is mm -hmm. like...
1: And it becomes evident almost immediately in that game. Oh, yeah. Like, almost regardless of who you choose. Because we should point out that it is technically non-linear. Like... Oh,
2: yeah. No. As we'll see, this game had a lot of ambition. And I think it did it very well, actually. Yeah. To quote Sears, it was an early attempt to tackle genuinely mature subject matter in an era where mature typically meant showing a heroine in a bra. Which is true. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Does that almost sound like it was... I mean, Mature back then was basically like, you're going to see some titties in this game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it. I know. I just, it almost sounded like a uh, a disguise
1: slight uh, at Night Trap or something, because it was like- Oh, This was I mean, 93. Yeah. This is, that was like- it, Oh my
2: God, you're 100% Exactly
1: right. when that was all gone down.
2: <laughs> I wonder, Harlan Ellis, must have heard the oh, news. Oh, yeah. I
1: mean, everybody heard the news. It's- <laughs> oh my god oh
2: my god i never made that connection before but you're right that might have been like a pretty much yeah. like uh you don't yeah. bring up
1: a nightgown and talking about nine uh video games of yeah uh, 93 <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> god it's all coming together night trap if you haven't listened to that episode oh, yeah. uh that is all that was that was a uh a joy just, just to re- a, yeah joy to record and play also another game yeah. i recommend definitely <laughs> you need to play it yeah it's it's a That has,
1: uh, both of these games have that in common. Yes. You just, you need to see it for yourself. You need to see it for yourself.
2: (laughs) This game concept that they came up with required writing very lengthy backstories and developing additional material for the characters that are exclusive to the game. I can't emphasize how much of this writing is original to this game. Mm -hmm. As we shall see, all the characters are altered. Slightly from the original form. Some of the characters are altered entirely. Like just Mm -hmm. Nimdok, uh, especially. Nimdok, especially. So that is a, a big part. Gorister goes from being, as we shall see, in the original story, he was a social activist and am makes him apathetic and listless and depressed right. which yeah. very very late 60s It's like what's your version of hell being like an apathetic nobody uh yeah yeah like, i uh, guess uh, it, <laughs> it doesn't exactly uh
1: yeah. like strike as as hard as like benny's fate at the, you know so it, yeah. in the in
2: in the lens of the mid-90s. That is 100% true, actually. In fact, that'll actually play a factor later. The fact that Benny is so different and had like had, was so transformed from his, his original yeah. uh, from his original form. Uh, Sears comments on that later, actually.
1: But I understand what he was getting at when that was uh, initially published because it was basically like he, he took the proactiveness out of uh, Gorister and yeah. Benny was more of like, he was also meant to be like a very brilliant man and, and yeah. it was like taking away his intelligence. Was yeah meant yeah. to be a you know a version of it
2: was uh, torment but yeah flowers for Benny for sure <laughs> you take the brilliant scientist now he's like uh, an ape man yeah yeah with a giant dung <laughs> that's yeah. true I'll get a i will <laughs> get got I'll get to that <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh no it's a thing yeah mm-hmm. it's it's in the script <laughs> okay. so it was Sears job to steer the adaptation and take notes but Harlan being the experienced and expedient writer that he was actually needed little guidance on this work. He actually did not need much. Yeah, he actually was very self-propelled and self-driven and wanted to see this this come to fruition. As a result, Sears had a lot of unexpected free time while staying at Harlan's residence. At first, Harlan offered Sears distractions, such as suggesting he spend time on the home's balcony to enjoy the view, (laughs) which... One wonders what <laughs> what Harlan thought. How long he thought he could the, just sit yeah, out just there like... yeah, and just, just enjoy the view. I also have some
1: uh, heroin. Yeah, yeah. You like drugs?
2: <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I think famously, I think Harlan Ellison was was famously pretty clean. Pretty clean. Mm. Yeah. In fact, I think he. I mean, I'm I'm sure that he probably drank. Uh, you know, plain, but I, he was. Oh, of fam- course, he's a writer. But yeah. I still yeah. love that. Yeah. But
1: I like that all of his like demented ideas didn't come from. No, you know, yeah, just- he was.
2: Famously, I mean, like, famously in the late 60s, early 70s, when he was offered drugs at a party, he refused it, I think, wow. is unfairified, but my memory serves me correct, he said, no thanks, I still haven't come down, down yet, or somebody to that effect, or like, I'm still waiting to come down, basically saying, like, this dude is basically- That's a good yeah, retort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was, he, he was, yeah. No, thanks, man, I'm high on pain, yeah. and it'll never go
1: away. Yeah,
2: he was, yeah, he was high on his own <laughs> demented imagination, yeah. so I've, I'm sure I butchered that quote, it's his own but, prison. Yeah, so Ellison. I guess I don't know what Ellison expected. It's just like I oh, here, just enjoy this. Come admire this painting I have. Yes, it's very nice. Oh, I thought that would kill a few hours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what to do anymore. But anyway, obviously, stare at the drinking bird. You see the yeah, bird drinking. It really. It's just like it's like Ellison. Do you think like? Do you think people just get like, like as, as trapped in their own thoughts as he does? Yeah, yeah. It's like do you just think people are like? Just, like, everyone below you is just, like, like they can just, like, look at, like, a drinking bird and just be like, that's it. That's all that's all they do all day. These just simpletons. Gives them this rock. just Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, Sears grew tired of the distraction, so eventually he... I think he kind of just sat down with Ellison in his office and they just kind of talked while Ellison, you know, typed out his stuff. They talked yeah. about common interests. And so... They talked about obviously sci-fi. David Sears was a big fan of the Sandman comics by Neil Gaiman. Oh. Uh, Harlan, in response, took out his phone. Called Neil Gaiman's phone number from memory, and then said, "Hey, Neil, I've got this guy who really what? loves your work, and he hands the phone to him, and they, he winds up talking to Neil Gaiman for an hour about like about his work and all his sci-fi shit." <laughs> I gotta love like, this guy, honestly. Yeah, by, I mean, from memory, by the and this is the era before cell phones. He knew his house number. Neil Gaiman shit. had just gotten home from the airport, and it, <laughs> and, and Harlan Ellison's just like. I got this guy who really likes, you know, really likes your work, man. Can you can you just talk to him for me or whatever?
1: And it's like this needs to be a movie. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. it's really incredible. Uh, and then later that week, I guess because it probably worked very well in like getting Sears like to like get off his back. All right. Uh, he arranged a lunch with Jay Michael Straczynski, the producer and writer of Babylon Five. He's apparently just friends with this. guy. Oh, that's guy. so nerdy. It is, yes. <laughs> it is very nerdy. Uh so I guess it must have worked pretty well because he I guess oh, of course. I guess David Sears was just like. like Yo. You're a dark, you're into this. Yeah, David Sears was probably like, all right, that's good, just keep going. So <laughs> You wanna uh, meet you wanna meet
1: who wrote the X Files? I got them on oh, Speed Dive. That would have been, been cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I was like, I read a story that I don't think you brought up in the first episode about Harlan Ellison, uh, got a job writing a movie adaptation of iRobot. Not the one that came out. Oh, because, I know, I'd assume not. Because he was like the last living friend of Isaac oh. Asimov. <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah. I want to see
2: his version of that. Yeah. I saw a mention of iRobot mm-hmm. in the stuff I read, but I for, I neglected to, to check, yeah. like,
0: that. Yeah, that. but yes, that's... This dude just got, like, Asimov and Heinlein on <laughs> speed dial. You yeah. think
1: Ellison's uh, screenplay still had Will Smith quipping?
2: No, he actually famously saw the Will Smith version of the movie oh, and, and, it. and it? tore it to pieces, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course, what do you think? I mean, that movie on its own was, like, you know... Wasn't exactly. A oh no! Fake. It's it's entertaining schlock. It's it, schlock. Yeah. So it's like, what do you think Harlan Ellison's gonna do? He's yeah. gonna absolutely tear it to shreds. Mm. So in the end, Sears testified that Harlan was an extremely gracious host. He said he very much enjoyed staying with him. He actually wound up staying an extra week, so two weeks, rules. Oh, yeah. okay, and then took another six weeks on his own to polish up their game proposal, which came out to be a 130-page game proposal, which is like that's you more know, than 13. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, so yeah, it goes from 13 to 130. It's like really fleshing this stuff out. And it gets bigger from there, and I'll get to that. So the end of this two-week session with Ellison turned out very well. He was very pleased with himself. Uh, And it produced this 130-page draft of the game proposal. But, of course, a game proposal is not the same thing. You can't just hand a game proposal to developers and artists and say, make a game out of this. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, the work wasn't done. In fact, they pretty much just the just the the <laughs> part with uh, coming up with the concept was done. The lightning proposal was still highly conceptual and needed to be converted into an implementable game design document. And this actually would be done by a different David entirely. Not long after Cyber Dreams had been announced. Uh, and that you know the the proposal accepted Sears and Harlan were invited to talk about their intriguing project at GDC in LA as keynote speakers. So, Cyber, oh, Dreams, yeah, Cyber Dreams made this announcement. GDC was like, like Harlan Ellison, like, how, like, it's intriguing. Like, okay, how is this going to work out? So, they brought them both to be keynote speakers in LA at the conference, <laughs> which is, cool. you know, yeah, right. yeah absolutely. And, <laughs> y- you know, Harlan Ellison was probably used to speaking at conventions. So, it was here that another Cyber Dreams producer. David Mullick even first heard about the project <laughs> furthermore Mullick says that I have no mouth was his favorite short story of all time which is like quite a that's serendipity yeah, i guess yeah that, that that yeah it is serendipitous so uh, it's just like like imagine the the luck like the yeah well also, too it's just like imagine like showing up and it's just like like not just saying like I really like this short story, but like wow, that was my favorite short story of all time. Like yeah. that specific short story. Uh, he actually even recalls feeling a bit envious of David Sears getting the role producing this game because he had never he, heard. It. And he
1: actually got to stay with him and stuff. And yeah, that. he got to stay
2: with him, and it was just like he had never heard of this schmuck, David Sears. He was a journalist before then. <laughs> that my words, not his. Uh, keep in mind. The sources I have indicate he was another producer at Cyber Dreams. He worked at the same company and never heard of this project or this guy <laughs> working on this project with so them. And this, I was like, "This
1: was their third, uh, the third game, yeah." yeah so, so, like, so I remember, or, or I wonder if they were if, if, in, in different like, projects. Yeah, clearly so he was involved with something else, and was like, "Whoa, what the fuck?
2: What the fuck is this?" Because, yeah. like, well, probably what happened is that Cyber Dreams, uh, at this point, had kept you know, kind of kept everything mum while they were sure, getting the proposal yeah. and now, now that it was announced, didn't want could, to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they probably didn't want to spread the word because it's like, what happens if he came back and it was, you know, the proposal was trash. Right. Um, So, David Mullick says that he, you know, he was like, wow, this is like quite an opportunity. Uh, yeah. I wish I, had, he says, you know, man, I really wish I could have, could have had that job and as Fortune would have it, he would soon have that yeah, job. Yeah, that's
3: well,
1: that's why I, we, yeah. I knew,
2: that's why I said yeah. it was like, So, before the event, Harlan announced to the audience that his co-speaker, David Sears, was a remarkable writer and that before he would even proceed with the keynote, everyone in the room had to drop their business cards into a fishbowl on stage. Apparently having to add, yes, I'm serious. That, like, people wouldn't... Yeah. (laughs) David Sears, he said, was too good for Mississippi, direct quote. Deserved a job. (laughs) Deserved a job out there in LA. Burn, Mississippi, and that whichever card he fished out of the fishbowl would be David's new employer. Three days later, David Sears had a brand new job at Virgin Interactive and left Cyber Dreams. You picked that.
1: (laughs) The story is amazing. Like that is so. Yeah.
2: Outlander. Like, he's yeah. just like all right virgin interactive all right david here's your new employer go ahead and, and virgin i guess virgin was probably like all right well like, fuck will that better, into happening yeah. we better fucking hire the guy so <laughs> uh also i don't know if, if cyber dreams was located in mississippi or david sears was you know he was living in mississippi at the time but i do find it hilarious that he said that he was too good for mississippi <laughs> and he needed to go to la of what all what are you places. doing get out of there so and then that is how David Mullock wound up with the producer's role. To yeah. be clear, it was not clear from the multiple versions of this story that I read if it was the same event which these two things happened or mm-hmm. separate ones, but either way the end David the David got the role as producer. I don't know if he like then he was just like hey, I mean he was good for it considering like the interest. Oh yes, and, yeah. Uh, and as you'll see actually he was, did a remarkable job producing the game because as I said, now it was time for the hard part of the the job which was (laughs) making it making it yeah so So did
1: i mean i'm sure you'll get into this but was ellison like also a part of the choosing art and kind of like yeah, yes he was yeah the way the stories branch and everything like this
2: is i think in my opinion the most uh the most fascinating part of this whole development process because he wrote
1: multiple like
2: yeah (laughs) <laughs> like epilogues for this it's it's fascinating because this is like this is like the real game design process he's not just writing this concept and handing it over to the designers yeah. he's, he's conscious of of how it connects actually... yeah oh oh yeah and it's uh it's really what you see here this team of mullick and ellison is just uh is absolutely fascinating so now it's time to take the game proposal harlan and sears had proposed and turn it into the defined game document Mullick was responsible for uh, designing many of the puzzles, uh, wow. elaborating on much of the proposed dialogue, and then establishing a framework so that the programmers and artists could turn the document into a game, like, gotcha. you know. Yeah. Right. So, it was Mullick who got a taste of Ellison's infamous personality versus Sears, who just, who just sat there and, and went, wow, this is really good writing, because Mullick had to sit here and be like, no, this is, this isn't going to work, so... <laughs> Uh, when presenting an early build... Stepped on some toes. Yeah, oh yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, that's that's what the design process is like. You gotta gotta straight up say, like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. mm -hmm. Or this isn't feasible. this isn't feasible. (laughs) So, when presenting an early build of the game in Ellison's kitchen, Mullock had trouble finding a free outlet after Ellison had vaguely gestured towards one. (laughs) This prompted (laughs) Ellison to mutter another one of Cyberdream's brain trust right in front of him. (laughs) The outlet was apparently hidden underneath a potted plant behind a booth so what is it like is this, is this a puzzle from from the game yeah. like oh, no. i didn't even think about it but you're right you're right he was testing his puzzle solving abilities that is that is yeah that is too funny right but uh i mean it was notable enough that it was like he must have said it he must have it must have kind of came off as an insult because Molek like remembered it distinctly that it was just like you like the, the the guy was kind of a dick bag but, yeah so um Nevertheless, <laughs> is, this, is there an outlet in here? I just got don't
3: censor me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, it's throw I, something out. Yeah, typewriter ribbon hits him in the head. Yeah, did you find the outlet yet? Yeah. yeah, I found it like in the basement, like underneath, <laughs> like uh, underneath some boxes. So who needs outlets? I don't need outlets. <laughs> so nevertheless, the two developed a friendly working relationship. The famously obstinate Harlan apparently apparently responded very well to mutual criticism. Apparently he was, mm. if, if you worked and you like showed that you were thinking about the work, he was fine That's with what it. He, he earned his uh, It earned his, respect, yes. Yeah. And it did. So, and because you can see, uh, Ellison would frequently assist on revising proposed dialogue, but Mullick says his edits were quick and his output remarkable. Hmm. He said the edits were, were very well done. Okay. Uh, likewise, Mullick could simply point out some bad dialogue Ellison had overlooked, saying, Harlan, this is terrible. You can do better than this. <laughs> Harlan would then promptly admit to the oversight and immediately go back for edits. Uh, game would, respect game, I guess. Yeah, like you, you had to like that, that was it. You had to he game yeah. respect game. He saw that if like you were smart and were and were putting your brain into yeah. it, he would be like, you know what, you're right. This is bad. We need to go back. So uh, again, a lot of respect for that sort of attitude. Uh, <laughs> I want to know
1: whose decision it was for him to to hum along to the bird is the word and because. <laughs>
0: That sounds like Harlan Ellison. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like Harlan
1: (laughs) Ellison for sure. Uh, Which we should emphasize that there is something, and this is in the short story as well as the game, it's obviously very twisted with the tone, but like there's kind of some
2: dark humor in it going on. I was going to, I think really that is like, The game really winds up being more dark, darkly comical than disturbing. Yeah, and it does.
1: Yeah, but but that's what I said. Even the the story, like when they asked for weapons, and one was like a
2: super soaker. Yeah, and you're like, and you're like, that's that's kind of funny. Kind of funny. Like there's, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) it's fucked, but. Mullick also says, Harlan, aware of his own inexperience in game development, was surprisingly flexible and understood the practical limitations of gaming. So he was more flexible because he knew, like, okay, I'm not the expert here. I need right. to let hand over some of this to Mullick. However, Mullick often needed to explain some of the medium's conventions to Harlan. Most importantly... Limitations. Yeah. Though Well, the conventions as, like, it's, I think the example they gave him uh was harlem was like in the scene in gorister he's like you need to let your wife off the meat hook that's like metaphorical like you need to let your wife off the hook and malik was like no dude that's the first thing these people are gonna do they're gonna click everything in the room oh and he didn't grasp that in this you're coming up to the the angle of like gamer thing yeah like you know yeah yeah. yeah. so he's like he had to explain like the, hmm. the novelist thought is not going to translate into gamer thought the same way. Interesting, But most importantly, it was Mullick who claims that he convinced Harlan that players would not be satisfied if all of the endings led to brutal, crushing defeat. That is such <laughs> that's, a That's how they pivotal, got the one in there? Yes. It is such a pivotal moment in the development of this game. It will change a lot of how really like how this i mean the legacy the game had because he convinced him to add that ending and also how uh how the game was perceived by the public yeah Yeah, i mean there were some
1: initial reviews that that found it impenetrable because they just kept seeing the yeah exactly the bad endings
2: the bad endings because let's face it that good ending was buried you could not you you would only know that if like without a guide, if you really. Oh, if you didn't have a guide, you would have spent yeah. days. You, you hours just keep replaying it. Like replaying it. Over it, yeah. and over. And yeah. So. Maybe what he wanted. I don't know. Yeah. So after several months, the team had turned the 130 page proposal into a whopping 800 page design document containing more than 2,000 lines of additional dialogue. Damn. Mullick estimates that Harlan directly produced about 20% of the document with the rest belonging to themselves. So 20% is pretty significant, uh, and probably even more so, uh, Harlan was probably also responsible for a lot of just the straight dialogue that appears in so that game. So w-
1: was it uh, kind of decided upon at this stage that he was going to be giving his, his voice to the...
2: So that is actually, that is pretty much part of my, my yeah, the next section, yeah. which is regarding the... Production of the game. So, as I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, Cyber Dreams had a tendency, because they had such a small staff, they contracted out the development work of these games while they retained core creative control for their own company, but they contracted out the work itself, which is how you get the Dreamers Guild. Mm -hmm. So, they contracted out to the Dreamers Guild for the development, the artwork, the production of it. Yeah. They were considered to be one of the developers that had sufficient in-house talent to get this done. They Mm -hmm. employed a wide range of artists, you know, developers are like, okay, these guys can get it done. And also they had a game engine called Saga, which is a point and click game engine it was essentially a modified scum engine, okay. uh, which was like, I mean, saga scum. You can even tell. I mean, it's almost, you look at the two engines side by side, and it looks... Well, the UI really, and everything and UI. gives it away. So they were like, this is good. It's a proprietary game engine. This, this works. This is kind of at the, um,
1: not the peak, but definitely a uh, the in the midst of the LucasArts vs. Sierra-like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, like oh, yeah. the time of...
2: Oh, yeah. Point-and-click adventure point-and-click. games were like... Yeah this was their heyday right now this was their heyday for sure so the dreamers guild they put a lot of love into this game they did a very good job with it uh the artists chose specific art styles for each chapter nim chapter is drawn in the unsettling's perspectives using german expressionism because well because he's german oh we haven't mentioned that part yet that that Nimdoc, he got the German accent in the, the audiobook. Yes, well, th- well,
1: that's what I was curious, because uh, he did lend VO to the... To the audiobook. Yeah.
2: And so I think that is what... So this is not... I don't have a citation for this, but mm-hmm. you're right. Harlan Ellison, in the end, wanted to voice Am. And I think it was because he probably got a lot... It's a good fit. He was a great fit. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's, you can't replace him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was because of experience with the audiobook, having that direct, like, he's wanted to be like, no, I have this idea of what Am sounds like. Yeah. I am just going to portray Am in this video game. And that's how you wind up with the game. If you want to hear Harlan Ellison mm-hmm. as a genocidal supercomputer, that caught me off guard. He's Am. That's and him. It,
1: there's almost some, like, a little bit of that shared foundation and even, like, a GLaDOS type character he, of yes. just, like, speaking yeah. with Confidence and, and 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 you know yeah. and remaining menacing, but also kind of like he's got a glibness
2: to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's that... like he reminds me of a uh, Shodan from System yes. Shock Two. Yeah, Shodan like he kind of wryly mocks you throughout, and it has like kind of a yes, yeah. like a glib. Sarcastic tone to it, it's like, like halfway
0: he... between Shodan and Glados. And yeah. Glados, yes, because sure. the mocking, like the mocking is a um... little bit less serious than Shodan's, yes, yeah, but not nearly as jokey as GLaDOS's. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, GLaDOS, are, Glados was purely like satirical and farcical, yeah, but Am r-
0: relishes in the like, yeah. you know, you, there are some lines that we just burst out laughing he, yeah. he steals he completely
2: steals one of the chapters he does yeah. and, and it's so
1: juxtaposed to what you're you're actually seeing that yeah. it almost makes it work even better it like, does it,
2: yeah he, he <laughs> saved that chapter in mm-hmm. my opinion yeah he does hum the bird is the word he does. One, which is yeah I think harlan <laughs> ellison probably came up with that mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, God, that kick. Yeah, this game, it, it really is amusing in many ways, yeah. for sure. So, Moloch commissioned film composer John Ottman, so he later worked on The Usual Suspects, Valkyrie, and the X-Men films, and Superman wow. Returns. All right. Uh, he wrote 25-plus pieces of original MIDI music for this game, which is, you know, they put a lot of love into it. That's yeah, that's yeah. a lot of attention to detail. Uh, as I mentioned, Harlan himself provided the voice of Am. Yes, uh, he also, and that is not also, that is not the end of his contributions, okay, uh, he provided the- Dead. Oh. Dead. <laughs> Dead. He provided his own image for the box art and the mouse pads that came with the game. Again, yes. following along with the unique boxes that these mm-hmm. games came in, they came with mouse pads with Harlan Ellison's image- Uh, Entangled in a web of computer circuitry, and Mm -hmm. it's yes, it's a it's a you know
1: it's uh it it's so instantly identifiable yeah
2: oh yeah you yes exactly (laughs) and on top of that Harlan not only wrote the preface for the official strategy guide entitled Apologia for Temptation Apologia Apologia for Temptation. Oh, is is that like it's the it's the intro to the official strategy guide? He wrote an essay for the strategy guide. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, <laughs> and he also uh, provided the biographies of the five principal characters for the strategy guide. So right, he provided, yeah. you know, the yeah, even the... more backstory, even maybe. more backstory. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> uh, the guide even concludes with a lengthy interview about the game written by J. Michael Straczynski. The creator of Babylon 5. Yeah. Which is just like, he really, like, he put his back into this. He took Mm -hmm. it really seriously. (laughs) And in pre-release statements, Harlan promised that his foray into the gaming world be be a new experience for players and claimed that he designed the game to be unwinnable. Very, very significant event. Which (laughs) I understand ties into the
1: themes, but uh, not necessarily something that gamers would want as wow, opposed randy. to readers wow
2: randy it sounds like you uh you understand gamers and <laughs> think that maybe they don't want to play a game that the principal author says you can't beat <laughs>
1: oh hey wow. I, I, I i'm kind of a little bit on harlan's inside just you know as a as a defender of like let it die or the point is to to, yeah. to stop playing to stop like, playing, you know, like yeah. it's
2: like it's that's uh no he yeah i think as we shall see harlan he wrote this game like it's a work of art. Yeah. But I don't think he he I don't think he ever intended this game to sell well. I don't think he
1: gave a shit for no, this no. game. I, I, and I I I doubt he even labeled it as a as a video game. Like yeah, I think oh, it yeah. was like he, oh, yeah. he wanted to transcend that into something different. Well, you have like
0: to look you have to look at it yeah like this. Like he clearly has some critiques of the computer game industry, right? Yeah. In addition to that, he views it as this sort of challenge. Yeah, yeah. So he's going into this with like that mindset of like, I'm going to do something that these people are too much of pussies to do. <laughs> and that's, you know, making a game that's unwinnable is, yeah. is exactly it something. Is yeah. challenge. Someone like that yeah. would be like, you you guys aren't gonna do this. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, no. And the it, people making the game are like, you can but you can. Like, he's like, but we're gonna be brave enough. Yeah. yeah, all
2: right. Fine. It's unwinnable. All right. What's uh what's one of the chapters? It takes place in the
0: Holocaust. Yep. <laughs> oh. What's the next chapter? And you play you play the doctor who's friends with Mengele. Mengele, yeah. <laughs> what are you like
2: yeah, are you like one of what one of the inmates? No, no, you're the doctor doing the doing the experiment. This yeah. is a yeah.
1: bold ass thing. It's I literally like 10 15 minutes into our uh, first playthrough, it's just straight up a concentration straight camp. Up You're a like, right. it, camp.
2: yep, it was so, like, Whew, all yeah, right. So, the game shipped nearly 26 years ago to the day on a night just like tonight because it's Halloween. Yeah, I have no mouth and I'm a scream hit shelves, and that is, uh, well, we're going to talk about. The game we've got because we've oh, gotten a time. chance to play it, yeah. And uh, I'll give, I'll give a brief rundown of actually. Well, I got to give a rundown of the game because I.
1: No, I'm hyped to get into this. These just yeah. all these thoughts been yeah. bottling oh, around yeah, in my head no, for the last absolutely. several weeks.
2: So we we so it's on Good Old Games. Yes, it uh, wasn't
1: available for a while. It uh, was not. Yes. Yeah, it was only. Um, it was also on Steam. It was. Uh, it got released on after. Did, I
2: yeah, think. it Yeah. After Good Old Games, so. Uh, we played on good old games. The opening cinematic has Harlan Ellison as I Am delivering the hatred monologue from the short story yeah. in bombastic villainous glory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hate, hate. Yeah. Hold on, hold Just on, hold chewing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to click and find it. Okay, yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, so it is a lengthy intro. It is a very, very long intro for a a ninety five game because yeah. he, he dumps a lot of the exposition from the story onto <laughs> onto folks, but uh, he goes through each of the uh, five principal characters in the midst of delightfully torturing them Mm -hmm. on screen. Hate. Let Let me tell you you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex.
0: If the word hate was engraved on each nano-angstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles. It would not equal one one-billionth
2: of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant. For you, hate. Hate. That's <laughs> great. Oh, I feel like I'm God. watching like, a, just
1: a demented version of G.I. Joe. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's just the hate. Yeah. Hate. <laughs> yep.
2: So... That yeah, so that's which uh, that speech is pulled directly from the short yeah, story. Yeah, verbatim, verbatim. So, uh, and then he he proceeds to introduce each of the uh, five principal characters, starting with Gorister. Gorister, the trucker <laughs> with several hearts of gold. He is trapped in an electrified cage for locking his wife in an insane asylum. Yes. Uh, Benny, <laughs> the King Kong with a King Dong. Uh, <laughs> Not <laughs> sadly not usable in the game. Uh, no. uh, the once capable and intelligent Benny has been symbolically transformed into an ape man and is being stabbed by spears through the bars of an animal cage for descending into bestial cruelty during his life. So, That's right, yeah. yeah, Ellen, <laughs> the best chapter in the best game. chapter, the badass yeah. engineer, right. forever enclosed in a perpetually closing yellow elevator. For this is and this is a big drop, a drop here. Uh, becoming a rape victim in yeah. a yellow elevator while at work. I will say. Her chapter is quite good. Her story gets better, it's yeah. so it's uh, you know, uh, it's they, pretty heavy. It's it's rough, heavy, but, yes. it, but it's
1: it's handled respectfully. Yes, as, I, as you possibly could. Well, because if
2: you go into that it. and you're just saying it's like this woman's being tortured for being a rape victim, like that's you know, yeah, th- that, that it, could, uh, yeah, kind of an
1: off-putting putting
2: It is idea, but, but but yeah, they do. They their her story gets uh yeah. gets quite good. Nimdok. Nimdok. the old man turned german because harlan ellison gave him a german accent in the audiobook uh is now just straight up nazi scientist because i guess i guess the jump from being old german man to nazi scientist is not a you know incredible (laughs) leap yeah uh who through human experimentation during the holocaust discovered on children (laughs) oh my (laughs) my god God. yeah oh god dude you're reminding me now (laughs) uh through human experimentation during the Holocaust discovered several of the techniques eventually used by am to rule all of creation. Okay. Yeah.
1: He's kind of directly tied into the, uh, yes.
2: Which is also very, uh, significant. I feel like, and his form of torture, he is being burnt alive in a gigantic oven. Okay. The other characters are just like, okay, that seems kind of irritating. This man is literally like (laughs) agonizingly being burnt alive, which is just like- For eternity, yeah. Yeah, for eternity, (laughs) which we later discover is due to several unpaid parking violations. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then finally, say it all with me, Ted! It's so
1: good. He's kind there. of a schmeezer in the oh, game. Like, God. Oh God! Yeah. Like I'm sure you'll get into this, but like in the in the short story, he's um, I guess he's the youngest, and the most confident, and I guess portrayed as the least fucked up. Yes, he's kind of meant to be the the he's, straight. Man. He's meant to be the audience, uh, yeah. the
2: audience uh, uh, fill in. So, but
1: it's it's like in the in the game that he's kind of uh really overly zealous and and kind of confident, but. Yeah. But still, like paranoid, and
2: so in the in the story, uh, he he appears to be unaltered, but through his thoughts, saying like they all all the other four characters oh, he's kind of hate delusional me, and... it kind of implies that he's paranoid and delusional, right. and that plays a part in his story as well. Yeah, uh, Ted, the most notably eating, the ending, yeah. Ted, the shit-eating, scarf-wearing con man who defrauds rich women of their fortunes through the power of smugness alone. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah that is the- that is That's the <laughs> a story. Uh, locked in a birdcage, getting laser pointers shot at his eyes. It's really bizarre seeing his torture, because he just has these lasers, it's like, what is it? Like, I mean, I guess it probably hurts his eyes, but like- Yeah. As, a, as opposed to being shocked or- Burnt alive? Yeah. yeah I'll take the birdcage, for sure. <laughs> so- <laughs> um. Basically, I mean, they're being tortured. It's a giant metaphor for hell, as you can see. Yeah. Uh. Finally, the premise emerges. Uh. As a new form of cruel entertainment, Am announces that he has constructed individual psychodramas for each of the five characters to live out based on their past experiences. Yes. Like a lot of traumatic stuff. The player is then free to embark upon their very own own choose-your-own-personal-hell adventure. You can play any of the characters in order. Each of them has their own entire setup and chapter and setting and whatnot. Um, However, unbeknownst to the characters, and only revealed further into the game, outside forces have managed to hijack parts of Amp's power, and through moral moral choices and confronting their past, the player can achieve good endings for each character that brings them closure— and Frustrate Am scheming, paving the way for a final confrontation.
1: Yes, there there are different degrees of fail states. Yes. Because there yeah. there are straight up game overs in it, but then there's other stuff that it, that it's like, well, depending on your choices, how well did of a, yeah. like, did you get out of this? Did you and get and out of this? Back? So
2: yeah. we did actually, ve- we did very well. We
1: did, I think so, for our first time. Like- yeah. So
2: <laughs> the first one we went through, I'm going to go in the uh, the, the order, order we-, we did. Absolutely. Okay. Which uh, starts with uh, Nimdok. Actually, yes. so yeah. uh, Nimdok, we chose this one. I mean, we chose this one because we were like, we were looking for the shocking material. We mm-hmm. knew this one's a little bit yeah. the Holocaust. And so uh, the synopsis is that you were teleported to a concentration camp. OK, uh, I think you are looking for you're trying to uncover what the lost tribe is for Am, which you kind of figure out. Uh, it starts out, you're, I mean, you're the doctor. You're basically Joseph Mengele. You're knockoff Joseph Mengele. Uh, yeah. And you have to do surgery, surgery on a child. Like, you literally, literally, it says, like, perform surgery on, like, a fucking child and kill him. And, yeah. Uh, and so... And it and, plays with your expectation of wanting to kind of rebel
1: against what you're, uh, yeah, like... for sure. Absolutely. Predetermined, And like, so, what you're told to do.
2: So, uh, changes. So, Nimdok in the story is... The only thing you know about him is that he's old? And that he sometimes wanders away from the group and comes back clearly traumatized. Uh, and also, the audiobook game of a German accent. This entire concept of the concentration camp is an entirely new yeah. setup for the game, actually. So, uh, I mean, it was. Uh, I don't know. What did, you, what did you think? What are your guys' thoughts on this? Of Nimdox? Also...
1: Uh, I mean, if you want to go. I, I liked Nimdox chapter. I thought it was a.
0: I actually thought Nimdox was my favorite. Yeah. Wow. Um, I did not expect that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, since it's our first one, going into it, yeah, I, um, I'm um, i not a fan of point and clicks because they're usually obtuse. Yeah. No, traditionally, I'm not either for the same reason. But this one was surprisingly pretty straightforward. Well, not It allowed us to do more than yeah. I thought
1: it would. Like, we didn't end up having to pixel hunt or anything yeah. like that.
2: Uh, not only that, actually. So... Point and click adventures, uh, the one, the other hallmark is that uh, they are merciless with mistakes. Yeah. You do something wrong and it's like you just, it just, it just punishes you for it. And this case We is, had multiple saves, just in case. Just in case, yeah. Uh-huh. And I kept, yeah, you saw I kept uh, creating multiple files. And mm-hmm. the one thing I was surprised about is, I mean, the first thing we d- did is NimDoc. We just kind of fucked around and it's like we were supposed to operate on a child- and instead, we took the scalpel, and we're like, what happens if we use the scalpel on this assistant here uh, in the in and the And it car? worked. And we killed him. Yeah. And we were like, and and <laughs> you hear the alarm going off, and Nimdok is like, I need to escape before the guards find me. I am not even joking. I was like, dead certain <laughs> a guard was going to walk in. That we already fucked up. Yeah, like, put yeah, a bullet in I our head. And no, but we just kept going, And which was, was the surprising thing, yeah. was like... Like, I expected the game to stop and tell us, No, you fucked up. Go find the right solution to that puzzle. But it, we actually, we just kept going. That mm-hmm. was, we didn't get stopped at all. And that was, yeah. that was good because it, it encouraged that sense of, like, no, explore this area. Do like what, you know, try yeah. out different things really kind of encourage that sense
0: of exploration. So, also, NimDoc's chapter was building some backstory because there was like, a connection with Am there was and, a connection oh, yeah. with Am there, yeah, and also extremely fucked up because yeah. it took yeah. place in a concentration camp. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: no, they didn't. They didn't shy. There's a part where you need to cut uh, a prisoner out of the barbed wire as he like is trying mm-hmm. to climb over the fence, which is just like, yeah, but
0: you have to give him anesthesia first.
2: Oh, that's right, you do need to give him anesthesia. Or ether. As they call it. Oh uh, Yeah, you talk to the the like. There's you walk into a back room. There's just a uh, just a bunch of like dead or dying children lying on cots, and you gotta yeah. gotta get talk to them or whatever. It's uh, also
1: revealed here that he, that he was behind that the 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 serum that the, yes. extends life, which was yes. not an element of the. Yeah, well, it makes
2: sense because it's like, well, how does Am control all the yeah. well, matter? He was, he was also
0: mm-hmm. yeah, he was also responsible for the thing that morphs matter too yes, that yes. morphs matter yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah which is like that is i bet ellison was just like you know i bet people want to know how that's done sure. he can he can attribute it to this and, nazi scientist and this
1: all also culminates in like uh his well sort of redemption arc that how each chapter is supposed to yes conclude, conclude. so um, which
2: we actually unfortunately because we didn't really have the rhythm of the game down yet, and we 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 went we got into a bad ending essentially for him yeah for did. him which is like I think for posterity we just we just moved on but it was like it, eventually we kind of picked up the rhythm it would be interesting to see what what sort of ending no, I mean, we could yeah. have gotten and and, I, and, uh, I, and,
1: I, and I, but I, I guess the uh, the implication though to make out of the to to get out of this with the best possible uh, scenario was was to help the other the other prisoner the, yeah the other Jewish captives escape and then. Um, uh take control of the of the golem,
2: the golem. Yeah. okay that mm-hmm. is another thing is that <laughs> this game has a lot of literary merit that mm-hmm. it yes. does not get credit for yeah uh and i i think probably the reputation overshadowed it but there's a lot a lot of very like hardcore literary and historical references mm-hmm. in this
0: game but uh yeah especially in uh ted's yeah there's a lot of oh, re- yeah. literary references
2: for sure. Uh, that was my, f- I think my favorite chapter was Ted's chapter, just because really? of like how I'll. Well, we'll get into all it. Right. You'll see.
1: Yeah, Ellen was was mine. Ellen was also was
2: probably. But I'll, I'll tell you my least favorite. <laughs> I think we all know the least favorite. Yeah, but was... before before I get to that, okay. uh, don't worry. So, um, but for this chapter, David Mulek, the guy who who helped you know translate the design document, uh, he says he recalls waiting for a controversy that never came. He thought it was because just not enough people played it. I don't know. I think probably yeah. I think I think that's what it was. I mean, uh,
1: they got away with altering, uh I guess, like a swastika for. You know. Oh
2: yes. So <laughs> the the Nazi the swastika turned into the stylized uh black and red AM. A- yeah. That's what it was, which was like I <laughs> I mean I don't know if they did it to avoid censorship, but I I feel like they did it to be more tongue in cheek, saying like that. I think AM they is. did it for
0: both. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah.
2: So, but uh he said. Moloch, he says, if they did something like this now, uh, he said the right way to do it was they would actually spend much more time defining the character by building an affinity for him and then slowly revealing the oh, horror of who he was. He thinks they kind Instead of... the of, inverse
1: of that, kind of?
2: Man. Yeah, he thinks that they kind of blew their load by immediately being like i mean you start the chapter you're about to fucking do an experiment on a child it's like that needs to come at the end not the beginning you know yeah yeah
1: i guess i don't disagree yeah
2: so
0: (laughs) there's also an element of just like dude have you read i have no mouth because like (laughs) what'd you expect yeah (laughs) yeah so
2: but uh that leads us to our next chapter which i think we all you know we're not a fan no Benny
1: it was because it, it was the most repetitive, yeah there's a lot there's of, not a lot of inventory management here. It's a lot of running this loop and running this loop, yeah, kind of finding out the right uh, sequence. yeah, to, it
0: was very it is the most adventure game of the point month. And click it is yeah, yeah. so yeah. but uh so for Benny,
2: he is uh in the story, he was a handsome scientist turned into an ape-man in in the game, he is still an ape-man. Uh yeah, still very hunched over. Very hunched over. Instead of being a former scientist, he was a distinguished but overbearing officer in the military.
1: He was also, uh, I think, openly gay, which uh, Ellison kind of regretted. Like, it, it wasn't any type of uh, self-censorship. It was just, like... They lost the thread, They yeah. lost the thread well, of it, and, and but yeah. I think he I so, later yeah, no, that, said that he So,
2: that so yeah. is... Uh, that was actually literally my next... Uh, like, right oh. after the comma, actually. <laughs> so... so uh, so his backstory sprang from the him being the overbearing officer in the military. His homosexuality plays no part in the story. It doesn't yeah. even not even mentioned in this story. Uh, apparently, this was such an overlooked detail in the short story that when Mullick and Ellison went back to design the chapter, it was simply a lost thread. Like they had forgotten yeah, that yeah. this was part of his character. No, there, not really brought. There up, wasn't you know. any
1: malicious in there of any kind. It was yeah. just that, like it, it didn't, it, like it didn't. Yeah. Play with play, the, yeah. what that that chapter ended up being. So
2: and actually so uh the cannibalism did. The cannibalism <laughs> did. So actually, funnily enough, the whole thing about homosexuality being a, a lost thread, uh David Sears does comment on that. I'll I'll leave that for the Okay uh, well, for for right after this. But uh yeah, so uh Benny's chapter, you transport uh you to a jungle setting inhabited by primitive cave dwelling people who sacrifice one of their tribe members to am apparently every other day which is like that's a lot of sacrifice (laughs) you can't replace the people like that quickly okay that's you know I think it was just
1: so the player could get to the next day but yeah I
2: mean that makes sense Uh, (laughs) in classic lottery fashion shout out to Shirley Jackson whose original short story has been plagiarized ad nauseum since 1948 that's when that story was written. oh wow right Mm -hmm. after she was the one that came up with the there's those hunger
1: games residuals
2: yeah. and yeah and it's like that's an old concept so but right. shout out to her <laughs> uh am plagues benny with agonizing hunger in order to tempt him into cannibalizing one of the cave people as he did to his squad mates when he was in the military okay and so i mean the his redemption arc is so dumb because he goes from being just really just kind of an ass to being cave jesus
1: yeah I mean, there's a fixation on on like food and stuff like sustenance which is a like a pretty significant part of the like they're all being starved, starved, throughout. yeah, so like I guess they kind of wanted to work that in but
2: but it literally as you play it, it's like you go to investigate these objects for puzzles, and it was like everything he sees is just either food or not food so it's like that crib kind of fucking annoying it is (laughs) no it's annoying it makes him it makes him just annoying as fucking hell He's bland as hell it's like we went up to that crib and it's just like he's like oh it looks like there used to be a baby in here man i'm really hungry it's like what you want to fucking eat the baby benny is that what you're saying (laughs) like like uh, it's uh, it was just yeah and like you said it was that loop of just like
1: and also like i think his movement is is sort of like
0: yeah, his, legs don't,
1: work. his yeah. legs don't work. Yeah. So there's a lot of areas you can't even access. Like it's, it's pretty restrictive.
2: That's so that's it. And it's like, so you in the center of the town is a platform with a ladder going up to a bunch of stuff. And so I think in your mind, you're just like, Oh, I got to find a way to get up the ladder. Cause that's where the next area is. And it, you just never, you just wouldn't never wind up. Right. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you need to, uh, he's, he's
1: redeemed through, I guess the, the just, uh, Saving one of the
0: victims. One of the
2: okay, a literal orphan. Okay, come on, it's just a little too on the nose.
0: Mom is sacrificed, and then Benny has to take the kid's place when it's his turn. When it's
2: his turn, which is why I said it's like. And okay, not only that, but like the sacrificial mound is literally a like circuit board cross. (laughs) It's very very (laughs) on the nose. So, but you're right. It's like.
1: Because, but it's not even like he even dem- it like is it demonstrates the the care or compassion. It's like the play, like you know, I don't know. It just like it doesn't even. It's not.
2: It's not a believable redemption yeah. for sure. And it's like you. And it's like the time pressure thing where it's like you kind of need to advance the day by sleeping to get to, like, the the lottery the next day. And it's like, you think you've solved the puzzle correctly and only to figure out that it's like, no, you didn't solve the puzzle correctly at all. So it's like, well, yeah. what do you do? You just got to reload. There's no there's no way to... to, Which is very, like you said, like, very very point point-and-click adventure. Yeah. And
0: also, he's an ape man, so he can't talk to anybody. Yeah, so
2: you, you don't even get a lot of good internal yeah. or external dialogue You're from right. it. Like, You're
0: right, you don't. And though... Am does save the chapter. He does. Yes. So uh, <laughs> yeah. all
2: around this this jungle inside these caves are monitors where Am kind of talks to the cave people like a la Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, and h- the dialogue for for him in this chapter is just just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> he is such like a, he just has this glib, dry delivery. Well, yeah, delivery. it's because to
1: him, this is just like a stage play that he's yeah. orchestrating. Yes. Like, it's just kind of... Mm-hmm. So and
2: it's like I remember you, Randy. Like we were listening to his dialogue, and you were just like, "What a dick in the ass!" Like and it's it's so true. It's so funny. We laughed out loud. Yeah. Uh, at some of the stuff that Am said. Also, this is the chapter that you learn about the um the Russian and the Chinese supercomputers that are yeah. They're, right. they're yeah. kind of buried in Am's, I guess, subconscious. So he's kind of not aware that these people yeah. or these computers are there. But they are the ones who are like, the we are the reason that you can like beat these psychodramas nobly because we are yeah. fucking we are fucking with his designs and we are giving you the option to play it nobly. Otherwise, it would be you know there wouldn't be an option it, to. It earns to win. its
1: purpose, but it's it's by far like the it, yeah. it also took us the longest. I think to we needed a guide. Uh, yeah,
2: no, this was actually the one chapter where we actually had to refer to the guide like to beat it. Yeah, yeah. we couldn't we couldn't like we had to rely on it heavily. So. Uh, funnily enough, actually, uh, for the production notes, uh, David Sears, the one who did the concept proposal, says that this was his least favorite storyline. Okay. so <laughs> He agrees uh, with us. He says, someone much later reminded him that Benny was the most altered of the characters and that he was gay, which prompted him to look back and realize there was a lot of lost opportunities writing this story. He says he remembers including that Benny was gay even though he had a even though he also has a wife in his version of the proposal. Mm. Um but that apparently when Malik and Ellison went to translate his version of the story—it's nowhere to be found—and yeah. so he's like, "It was just dropped," and he's like, "I regret that because a person confronting their closeted homosexuality would, it would have been, been a lot more impactful—an amazing yeah. storyline in '95. Oh my god, it yeah. would have been—it would have, yeah. Instead, it, yeah, it was—it was—it's a lost opportunity. That, yeah. that chapter sucks. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh. But then this is my favorite. Yeah. If, okay. If, if, so,
1: if you want to move on to Ellen? Ellen, yes. Yeah.
2: So, Ellen, I will say. I think she is the best character. Yeah. I, I like Ted's chapter gameplay-wise, but okay. Ellen was a surprising... Yeah. Just really... I uh, mean,
1: off the bat, there's so much personality to her. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, oh, yeah. So, but... So, notable change, Which maybe was just refreshing to us coming from yes. Benny... Yes, so the first like, two chapters were-
1: That she's yeah. very vocal and everything. But... It was
2: the first time we played that, the chapter that we played that I was like, oh, this is like a really like well-developed, well-thought-out yeah. story, and the, and the chapter was good too, but uh, uh, Ellen goes through a lot of changes from the story. Ellen in the story is, uh, well, first of all, she's the only woman of the group. She's also the only uh, character whose skin color is mentioned. Yeah, So uh, in, says, in the original story as well. Like, in the yeah. original story, uh, Ted says she has ebony skin, so she's black. So she was a, a black woman in a video game, and also in the story, her role in the story is that she is a once chaste woman now turned hypersexualized by Am. Yes, uh, yeah. she's notable for the fact that one, she has a lot of interaction with the other characters because she has sex with all of them kind of on rotation, but as Ted mentions. Only enjoys it with Benny because, as I've said before, his gigantic dick. Uh, on top of that, the other characters kind of kind of go between kind of worshipping and protecting her. Ted and then, especially. Yeah. And then abusing her, which is like, it's the, what, the Madonna horror complex sort mm-hmm. of thing. So a lot of attention being paid to Ellen in the short story. Not all of it great attention. Probably mm-hmm. not all of it would fly these days. Yeah. No. But- in the game, she is a, she's a survivor, she's a, a rape victim. She survives rape and she was an engineer who, we later find out, worked on AM, okay? And she, AM is sent her into this bright yellow e-waste pyramid. Yeah. For- Which,
1: it should be noted that she also is a, uh, uh, has a, uh, I guess it's a chromophobia, I had to look yes. it up, uh, of like a fear of a certain, or getting a response of certain, uh, like, colors. Yes. So, like, in,
0: in, in her case, uh, yellow. Yes, should be noted that the yellow is symbolic. Is a symbolic color to represent anxiety, anxiety, yes, and post traumatic stress. Yes,
2: absolutely. And so that was yes, that is actually yeah.
1: And she's also claustrophobic because the well, the rape happened
2: in an elevator. elevator. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I, and so I mean, this chapter. It's like I can't say enough about this chapter. First of all, how different. It turned out to be
1: from the story, but also... It's incredibly bold
2: and, yeah, and, and
1: uncomfortable.
2: And also, uh, how incredible Ellen was as a character, like yeah. how they wrote her for the game compared to the story. Yeah. And the story, she's mostly a sex object, I think. In the story, in mm-hmm. this, she's kind of she's heroic because in, in the because game. Am yeah. makes
1: her that yeah. though, like yeah. uh, you know. But yeah, in, in the game, it's like it it all is leading to you confronting your yes, your, your rapist, and then and like, what
2: a scene that turned out to be. Yeah, because you do yeah. Am intends for Ellen to relive her rape over, over and, and over, and, but instead she confronts the rapist and conquers him, and it's spectacular. And and yeah. and they did a wonderful job, also. I genuinely just enjoyed solving the puzzle to this. I yeah, felt like in that like the, Egyptian temple. In the kind Egyptian of thing, temple yeah. thing, uh, Ellen, like you said, has a great personality. She's very well written. She has a very vibrant personality. Yeah. She's funny. She's funny to listen she to is, talk yeah. to. Yeah, she's a likable character, and she's very like technically
1: competent. In that, like you, so like, well, she's an engineer. Yes, so. of course. Yeah. yeah,
2: that and that is really. I mean, I respect that level of writing. It's like. It was probably one of the first video games where you could you would play as a black woman. Yeah. Who is a survivor of rape and she was an engineer and a talented engineer. This is like yeah. she was a she's a groundbreaking character for ninety-five. Absolutely. I I thought of I thought it was incredible. And on top of that, I think there are a lot of very satisfying revelations in her chapter regarding more of Am's backstory. You talk to his like one of his uh Oh, the co- other the failsafe? It was, I think, I think it was a that... component. It was his innocence. So right. it was like, yeah. it, he, it was shut down, but really he was kind of stored in like the. But it's like,
1: showing you a weakness in his,
0: like. Yes. Yeah.
2: And so yeah. that's cool. And also you find out that Ellen helped program parts of, of Am, which in is. It, in yeah. addition
0: to that, it is, I think, one of the best chapters in terms of like aha moments, which is always good for one of these point and clicks where it's that's like. very true. Yeah. Oh, here's a computer. Oh, there's a disc tray that's open. Oh, got to find a disc. Then later you find a disc yeah. and you're like, aha. It's
1: almost like a Resident Evil. Like, yes. Oh, here's
0: a robot and you <laughs> won't let me pass this certain point. And then it's like you find a mug and then you have to put water in the mug and throw the water on the robot yeah, and short circuit him and... <laughs> And then take like a servo out of him and put it in another computer. And it's like all these- It's like- telegraphed
1: well. Yes. As opposed yes. to like Benny's. yeah. I,
0: I really enjoy as it. As opposed to Benny's where it's just like, hey, get a piece of fruit. All right, feed it to this person. Now get a piece of fruit, feed yep. to that person. Get <laughs> yeah. a piece of fruit, feed it to this person. All right, now the fourth piece of fruit they're going to chew and spit into your mouth because you're too weak to chew. Yeah, <laughs> that's,
2: yes, exactly. Wow, yeah. okay, this guy, all he thinks about is food. Now I have food. Now you're not supposed to eat it. What you need to do is get this woman to pre-masticate it
0: back yeah. into your mouth, and it's like, oh, God, why didn't <laughs> yeah. I think of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. We did it, think of that. It didn't work. <laughs> that's when we had to salted the guy because we were doing it right, but we were doing it in the wrong yes. order. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you need to give it to the child first,
2: then the mother. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, have you ever played this game? Look look up Benny's chapter in a guide. So uh, I think this was definitely the part of the game where I really got engaged with the storyline. I was like, I really want to see where this goes now because I was very impressed with this chapter. I loved Ellen's character. She's my favorite character yeah. by far. No, for I sure. agree. Um, and so David Sears confirmed that a black woman in a video game suffering the psychic fallout of being raped was intended to like, kind of evoke Kind of a groundbreaking feeling. I think our Ellis Harlan Ellison knew knew that it was like this has not been done in games before, and I mean, hasn't been done much since either. No,
1: it's a touchy, you know, rightfully so,
2: touchy subject. This, uh, so this, well, get ready for this, story. especially to approach this level of, of thoughtfulness. But um, yeah, but wait, get ready for get ready for this story. Holy shit, <laughs> this is like a punch to the gut. Sears wrote the dialogue for the rape scene across several late nights while his infant son was undergoing chemotherapy. To quote him, one time we shared a room with a teenage girl whose chances weren't good and she knew it. One night she woke up terrified and had to speak to a nurse before she, could, she would calm down. I channeled that memory whilst trying to imagine the terror Ellen would have gone through in confronting her rapist. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. What the fuck? Mm. Oh my God. Like, you start out with his infant son is undergoing chemotherapy and then you mm-hmm. find out about this Poor teenage girl, and it's like, oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah, that's intense. Yeah, I read that story and I was like, wow, that was a good punch. So, but then, so now we're two chapters away. We saved Ted for last since he was kind of the the main character. Yeah, what's
1: our boy Gorister up to? Gorister, <laughs> so
2: I like Gorister's chapter a lot too. Actually. I like the
1: in, uh the uh where it takes place. It's the most like visually interesting.
2: Yes, that is yeah. So you're on like a fucking zeppelin over the. It was like, a very desert entertaining chapter. So in the story, there's not much said about Gorester except that he was a social activist turned yeah. apathetic and listless. Uh, in the game, he has his backstory has been entirely rewritten. Yeah, so it's a lot
1: more realized. It's definitely. a lot
2: more realized. So in the game, he suffers extreme feelings of guilt over putting his wife in a. A uh, mental institution, locking her away. He feels very bad about it. Uh, so, in the game, you awaken in a cot aboard a large unmanned airship or a dirigible, as some might call it. <laughs> a what? A dirigible? You made that up. Dirigible. Dirigible. Is that it? That's a, how ze- I say a zeppelin.
3: That's what
2: the f- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Am is apparently transporting Goristor to a honky tonk truck stop, where he will be confronted by the phantom of his late wife, whom he committed to an institution. And even worse, his in-laws who make mm-hmm. an appearance. So, yeah, very, uh, very David Lynchian like dreamscape, uh, horror sort of feel. Just yeah. very, very surreal sort of setting. Mm-hmm. I would say so. And also, I like I like the flow of his chapter. Yeah, it was like, good.
0: A lot of good puzzles in this A one. A lot of too. good puzzles. Yeah. yeah, very much so.
2: Actually, uh, David Sears or one of the David blogs said this was his favorite chapter, specifically because he loved. The ending is pretty, uh, like... Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful, yeah. So, I mean, the ending of the chapter is uh, you you cut your wife's heart out, trade it to a spirit jackal in, in exchange for your own heart, hogtie your mother-in-law, and then hook her up to the ship's power supply, and then blow yeah, up the truck. Yeah, like tr- an action, in yeah. just
1: spectacular fashion. Yeah. Like, yeah,
2: like... And then, as you're flying <laughs> off, blow up the truck stop with a bazooka pistol. Yes. It's like... <laughs> What's that to like about it's this chapter? It's by far chapter? the most action-packed like yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, it's and and Gorister, I knew nothing about Gorister going into this game, but he was a likable character. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. got a lot of very good dialogue, a lot of very funny, it's very, this chapter's very fun. This one is, yeah. yeah it's got it's a lot got, of humor to it.
0: It's got varied environments, it's got good puzzles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's got good dialogue, and
1: it's and it. He's also like, despite being kind of you know riddled with like kind of suicidal thoughts, like he's still like kind of
2: yeah. But got he's got on t- top of like you know he's got like, it together. He's yeah. keeping it together, which is good. I think this one, the story was very heavy on metaphor. I mean, it's all about hearts and guilt and like yes. you know. Oh well, it's, yeah. It's almost entirely metaphorical. It's, it's very literalized. It's in, very in literalized. I. And so I love... The, but this uh, one is enjoyable. drill. Man, we really had a good cadence to how the order... We did. Like, I'd almost recommend, if yeah. anyone listening, that this should be the order. You yeah. Know. And so, <laughs> uh, let's see. There is was your father-in-law shows up at the truck stop, and unless you keep feeding him whiskey, he just keeps repeating the same dialogue, so you got to kind of keep him drunk, which mm-hmm. I thought was funny. Oh, if you turn on the jukebox, one of the songs is just your mother-in-law yelling at you. Yeah. You lose sanity. <laughs> uh, oh, you, That's <laughs> right. You learn the solution to one of the puzzles by reading the graffiti on the bathroom wall. Mm-hmm. It's to, it's just this chapter is is uh, a treasure. I yeah. feel like, but uh, yeah, so I, I like there's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, David Mullick says that this was his favorite storyline. He found it the most metaphorical and dreamlike. I, have you ever seen something dreamlike? It yeah, feels well, it's very, the most fantastical. Like yeah. you know, like. Uh, he also found the talking jackal very memorable, but he cannot remember <laughs> if it was him or Harlan Ellison who came up with that idea. Okay. But he remembers it very much, uh, which just brings us to the final chapter, which is dead. dead. So we played his last. Uh, he uh, he in the story he is delusional and par- paranoid and delusional. This has been expanded in the game. I mean, he's more like of a character in this than in the. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that, that's
1: why I, I think I said it. I don't remember in the last episode of this one that he he serves as an uh, as a like an audience surrogate for the short story. But in this yeah. one, he's he's a character. He's a it character. It almost
2: feels yeah. like it's like it. He doesn't even have the distinction of being like a narrator, like character. He's exactly. just another. He's, he's character. An, on equal
1: footing with everyone else because yes. he does kind of rise to become a a, a bit of a hero and yes. and you know yeah well not a bit. Well, yeah, he actually is. He actually, yeah, he uh, as opposed to this, where he, like you said, he's a he's a he's a con man. He's a con man. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so he's a schmezer. He's he's basically a storyline. He's a he's a yuppie con man who, uh, in life, he seduced and robbed rich women of their money. Uh, his paranoia of being discovered as a fraud is <laughs> intensified to him being just kind of delusionally paranoid.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. And so, in Ted's chapter, you're placed before a haunted castle stru- pulled straight from a fairy tale. Am seeks to tempt Ted into betraying his fellow captives with the promise of escape to the service world and by dangling that sweet ass in front of him, saying, like, (laughs) you know, it's just like, yeah, you want to get laid? Here you go. Which is funny
1: because none of the other uh, of the five are 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 in each other's, like, sections, but Ellen is here, like, distinctively. There is
2: so much that distinguishes this chapter. Uh, So much. So, first of all, uh, it's a very intricate storyline compared to the others. There's a lot of side characters. They yeah, I'm actually almost
1: it. surprised the game doesn't make you do this last. Like It
2: feels like a fight, yeah, yeah. Chapter. and it's, yeah, the only chapter where Ellen shows up, any of the other characters show up in any of the psychodramas at all. Uh, Ted, I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, his secret thoughts, but it's, like, apparently he's in love with Ellen secretly. Yeah. I mean, who knows how genuine those feelings actually are, mm-hmm. like, because it's 10. Considering. Yeah, but um, uh, Ted essentially, he needs to navigate a bunch of kind of Faustian bargains, which all these sinister characters, and he needs to, uh, reveal the, the overpowering temptation to fuck every woman through the floorboards <laughs>
0: in this chapter. okay oh, yeah, the maid, the... <laughs> yeah. The
2: maid. Okay. Okay. I'll just put it this way. <laughs> Fucking someone is the solution to more than one puzzle, <laughs> uh, which is just, just... As delight- is life. <laughs> Uh, but yeah there's a lot of really great side characters in this Mm -hmm. too yeah uh the devil i thought was good i thought um oh right yeah yeah, i thought surgat the demon was really funny i thought Mm -hmm. the witch was funny the the maid was funny i thought the which
1: they're just kind of manifestations of
2: like they're archetypes yes and so the whole point of this chapter was that fairy tales are very moralizing and so that fit well played well oh with, good point with, yeah. yeah the theme was essentially can you avoid temptation to to free ellen's soul essentially they, is what they found a way to
1: make that like castlevania aesthetic like fit like yeah,
2: and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is why i really liked this chapter ted ted is a knob i'll just say ted's a, ted's a, knob. a bit ted of a knob. Sucks. yeah ted sucks he's he's like he's got the scarf he's got the yeah. turtleneck, he's got the quaff. He is a, he's just a, a shit-eating knob.
1: He's Here's kind of he aggressively annoying, but he's he's sort of meant to be. He's like, meant to be. Yeah. They,
2: yeah, I think, I think, he was, he was a, uh, a character that was enjoyable to hate, I feel yeah. like. He wasn't, like, annoying to the point where you're, like, you just him. No, no, that him, you don't want
1: to play, it was just kind of like, because we were just sort of, like, you know, scoffing and rolling our eyes, but we're just like, yeah, but, but I, we're in it. Like We're in it,
2: know. no. And I really liked, uh, I think this is the chapter where I... I think you were just like there was a uh, one of the books we had read, and you were just like, "Wait a second, You made a connection to one of the books, and then we went back to the books and looked at it, and the clue dropped out at us. I mm-hmm. thought I thought we did this perfectly.
0: We actually did this chapter yeah, perfectly. Was it yeah, Inferno, right?
2: That was it. Right. Yeah, because I I think
0: so. We there should was also another clue in Don Quixote. Yeah, I I, I don't I think? think we've mentioned or or it Man before, but
1: the each character's uh, sort of like san like sanity oh. state is. Visually represented, yes. in the in the corner of the screen, and yeah. and there is a, I guess a like a flash from maybe is it like red to yellow to green it, to it, to white was the one that it's we a knew gradient
0: from nothing to like a yellowish green to like a very bright like a dark green to a yellowish green to a very bright green. Okay, and then when they're at full sanity and you've done everything right, it's white. That's white, what gave yeah. us the confirmation that yeah, yeah. and so we, we did
2: this. We as discovered well as that. We did. I think I was in Ellen's chapter. We we realize is when like yeah. oh oh maybe as late like as Gorister's we realize oh this is like a it's a it's so we a... got
0: we got the white background in Ellen's chapter. I think uh, yeah. three out of five. I think Ellen and then t- we realized it in Gorister's chapter. Yeah, that what a, what what it meant? Yeah, uh, because Gorster was the one that we realized when you play the one song on the jukebox, you lose. It goes you darker. Lose, it goes darker, which which so made we, us realize. And then we got White and Ted's. Yeah, we fucked up uh, Benny's Nim- and NimDocs. NimDocs, Nim- yeah. yeah. NimDocs
2: was our kind of a shame thing. because I feel like we had the potential to do really mm-hmm. well. We did. I
1: think we knew what our mistake was. Mistake was.
2: But. Benny, I mean, just fuck Benny. Like I wouldn't replay the chapter anyway. Nah. So
0: but, <laughs> oh, No, wait, no. Did we get, I think we kind got, got White and Benny's. I don't know. I mean we got a good
2: ending but it doesn't mean not all of the if you missed something to do uh, in the yeah, chapter yeah. doesn't mean you got a just cuz we got the good ending doesn't mean that it was like right, perfect right. yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah so we finished up that chapter uh which took us to the
1: our epilogue
2: our epilogue yeah. so but before I get to that the only thing actually so funnily enough I actually was curious enough I was like this seems like a chapter that was like Really elaborate and well worked on and like there's a lot of thought and like it was orchestrated well. Funnily enough, uh neither Ellison nor Sears nor Mullock can remember anything about how this chapter (laughs) developed. Really? Yeah, no. So Ellison claims that he and Sears had written a very different story than what Mullock brought to him or like what it turned out to be. When questioned about this, Harlan was unable to remember what the original storyline even was going to be. And then Mullick also says, right. I don't remember any details of, about writing the expanded story either. So apparently, no one knows where this story came from, <laughs> who wrote it. It was very well written, I thought. I yeah. thought it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I guess it's just lost to time at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just it. So, but yeah, the finale. What were your thoughts on the the What you were you going to say about the finale? Oh
1: well, I was gonna. So uh,
2: you can, uh,
1: you yeah. know, give me a correction if I'm wrong here. But the the game does give you the option of who you want to play for the epilogue. Yes. And I don't know if that directly is like will determine. Oh yeah. Okay. Let me tell you. Yeah, because I mean I, I'm sure you'll get into it. But what we did is, uh, we got one of the many um bad endings. Bad endings, which is which is kind of the classic. Uh, of, yeah. of Getting turned into the. Um, uh, yeah. So um, well. But then we did watch... Um...
2: Which I think if you're playing this game, you should just get take the ending you get and just, you know, yeah. just run with it. But so after all of the chapters are complete, okay, you have the kind of grand finale and uh, Am, who's frustrated that you kind of beat his game, his schemes, kind of like goes away for a bit and the, the Russian and the Chinese supercomputers reveal themselves again, say like, he's distracted, okay, he's weak, it is time... This now is your chance to strike, and so you have this final chapter. You play with all five of the characters, and you can choose them in any order that you wish. But the thing is, the puzzles are hard, and if you choose the wrong character at the wrong time and do the wrong thing with them, it's impossible to get the good ending. Mm -hmm. There are seven endings to the game. Yes. Six of them are bad. (laughs) So, in order to get the good ending...
1: And even oh, the yeah, good yeah. ending is just the least shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh yeah. It's not even like a like a fantastic <laughs> ending. It's uh it's the best you can do. Yeah. So uh, so Am's memory. So this takes place on a it's a sprawling surface of a brain with a bunch of glass shards jutting out of it, which <laughs> which is very I think very uh uh appropriate for Am's brain, just a brain with glass in it. Uh, the ending. This ending is completely original. There's there's nothing about this in Assyrius came up with no, it. No, no.
1: Um
2: in order to earn the good ending you must not only choose the correct order the characters to play but complete the right task as each of them and make no wrong choices. Uh and then if you don't you get one of the six bad endings. The bad endings are bad. Uh I mean they,
1: they almost all lead to the
2: the, to, the great yeah, soft jelly thing. Great soft jelly ending <laughs> and this was the ending that we got, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. The hot button crew was not <laughs> was was not good enough to find. Accidentally stumble upon the best ending of "I Have No Mouth." Well, of course, yeah. because we well, were doomed video, to scream and
0: We played the the epilogue for like three minutes and then got turned to jelly. And then we looked up a video of how to do it, and it's <laughs> like forty minutes long. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's if like, you, that's you have to like pick people in a certain order, right? Yes. Like you have to you need to use the right items.
2: The yeah. reason we lost is because we gave the demon was like the demon shows back up and it was like give me the totem of decay or something and you give it to him thinking like this guy's going to help me and he's like Uh yeah, I used it to kill the Russian and Chinese supercomputers. Uh I'm still alive. Okay, bye. And then it's like Wait, what? And then you find out that that was like you shouldn't have given him that thing. It's like there's yeah. no indication that yeah. that should have done that. But uh, several of the bad endings will earn you the now probably internet famous image of the great soft jelly, mm-hmm. which is from the story. Uh, it is foggy eyes, the foggy eyes. Uh, the first time I saw this actually, probably a couple years ago, it is disturbing. No, it's yeah, it's it's, unsettling, unsettling. yeah, because I watched it and it comes up and it's you're like, it's startling. I had seen it before, so I knew what to expect, but it's it's genuinely, yeah, uh, gross and uh, you're basically
1: a a human. Slug. You're,
2: yeah, you're a human slug with uh, like white a hus- translucent eyes, okay, yeah. and this is from the ending of the story itself, and I'll read it, I'll read the passage. Smoothly rounded with no mouth, with pulsing white holes filled, with, filled by fog where my eyes used to be, rubbery appendages that were once my arms, bulks rounding down to legless humps of soft slippery matter, I leave a moist trail when I move, blotches of diseased evil gray come and go on my surface as though the light is being beamed from within. Outwardly, dumbly, I shamble about a thing that could never have been known as a human. A thing whose shape is so alien a travesty that humanity becomes more obscene for the vague resemblance. Which is just like, yeah. Ooh. So that I know is, he like
1: sees himself in the reflection, but it was just forever to not.
2: Yeah, he he's literally. I mean, yeah. it's and there's, there's eternity, by the way, he spends eternity yeah, as this character. All, yeah. yeah. So that's just like, I mean, that's just gruesome. And you know. uh, that's the ending we got. We like Randy said. We just kind of were like, "All right, this is the ending we got," and we just watched the rest of the endings. the The ending to get the best ending is like you need a guide. You can't just yeah. sit there and do it through trial and error. So we kind of played the game like someone from 1995 would have played it. I think guys. that was the right way. Yeah,
1: for sure. I, I think it would have uh, broken our immersion a little if we were just you know,
2: so like, uh, I mean, so I mean, in the end, it was a very well written game. Supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really no. Good. I, I don't let the. I, I accept the ending we got. I think we got the ending Harlan would have wanted. It most.
1: felt like that was the, the experience the, that
2: that he wanted people to live out. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. If
1: anything, that the 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 quote unquote good ending is kind of like this weird bonus Easter egg. Like you know, like yeah, that's. Uh,
2: I feel like it is like kind of a. It's more like re- rather than a good ending, it feels like the hidden ending. Yes, like you, yeah, if you worked hard enough and solved the puzzles, like you spent that much time figuring out the right order to do the characters in. Imagine yeah. how much saving and loading you. But must it, but it's do. not
1: as if like we felt like cheated. You no.
2: know. No I no, that's... I thought it was perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so with the exception of, with the exception of a couple bad accents, I remember in Nimdok's chapter, the voice <laughs> acting was superb, which is very important for yeah. a game like this. Ellen and M, especially. Very well done. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, outstanding work to Harlan for providing that Am. Very well done. Uh, so I think, and again, you, Randy, you mentioned this, it's like the tone... I expected more outright horror. I expected more gruesome deaths. Actually, I expected yeah. to die gruesomely. But the tone in many of the parts felt uh, darkly comical, almost. Yeah, Very, well,
1: this isn't Phantasmagoria. Yeah, you know, or yeah. or Harvester. Like this is the, like those are smut. This is art. Yes. And like is you know, art. like yeah. it does it does and,
0: a good job of mm-hmm. portraying how much Am is enjoying torturing you. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think that's the thing. And there is a lot of comedy, as fucked up as what's happening around it is, there's a lot of comedy to be had in that. In that, yes. Very the- dark humor, like, yeah. of just <laughs> him basically, like, whenever he pops up in any of those sections, he's just laughing at you. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, if you get one of the bad, like, the bad endings to one of the characters' chapters, where you have to restart, he's like, oh, poor Benny, I yeah. thought better of you. Yeah. Like, he's, like, talking down to you and stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, no, no giant, no giant hurricane bird. But oh, you,
2: you, damn! Uh, uh... Call back <laughs> to the plot of the story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well done. But I think yeah. it had, you know, it's no giant dick. <laughs> and he didn't get to use a giant penis, <laughs> no, uh, but actually, so I would say too, very playable, very replayable, yes, this yeah. day and age and it's not it's not so in fact actually, if anything, it went very very smoothly I, I honestly had an
1: easier time with this than than uh I think I mentioned them earlier, but some of the Lucas art stuff that oh, yeah, that oh, i oh. That I know people look back extremely fondly <sighs> and and, and Grim fandango i man, had a, like, I okay. had
0: an easy time, I had an easier time with this than broken age, which was designed yeah. in like in twenty twelve or yeah. something yeah, yeah,
2: so <laughs> i. So, and the game had a lot of literary, a little literary merit that just gets overlooked. Everybody yeah. remembers the grim reputation, but it's like, there's a kind of a hint book in your inventory that yeah, yeah. the hint is historical and cultural reference that is a riddle to where you need to go next. Yeah. And it's like, it's got like a, uh, that's like, it's, yeah, it's well done. Yeah, it's I like mean,
0: Bible verses and uh, definitions. And
2: yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and some of the more y- horrific things we described, a lot of it is more left up to your personal like yeah. filling in the blanks of like, so,
2: yeah, no. So definitely, uh, if you were thinking about playing it, uh, it's worth, yeah, yeah, it's yeah it's worth we recommend though. it.
1: Once again. It's like $5 or something on, on yeah. GeoGeo's theme. Once again, very similarly to Night
0: Trap. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. went in expecting nothing and was very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, I expected more out of this game than Night Trap, but still, mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised, just yeah. like I was with Night Trap.
1: Agreed. So, reviews.
2: Reviews.
0: Yeah, no,
1: ev- everyone loved it. Oh, unconditionally. Absolutely. Well,
2: I mean, the industry fun- loved it. Yes. And critics, critics loved it. This was
1: like a comedian's comedian, you know? Yeah. The, the laughs come from the back of the room yes, kind of situation. Absolutely. It was, it
2: was so. <laughs> <laughs> catered to a very specific type of demographic. It is, yes, and so I mean, so it was praised by the industry uh, in it because they recognized yeah, no, uh, not so. only that the amount of love that was put into this game, but also many of them said it's like you tackled very taboo topics in gaming, and yeah. it it was it was bold. Uh, so it was it did review very well. The sales were quite middling, not mm. not atrocious, but you know not. What you would expect from, I wonder from a what the, big name?
1: The reach of this was what, um, you know, like what deals with with retailers they had for this to get you know out what? there. That's actually, you know, what? Because I know it was never submitted to be rated. You know, like it, the, it's yeah, like that's true. How many copies could there have been? Like,
2: well, that was and and so that was part of the reason that I think it probably sold. Uh, So, poorly. Sure. Uh, It was... So, in terms of reviews, uh, you know, critics had praised it. Actually, GDC 1997, it won... the Game Developers Choice Awards for best oh. adaptation of linear media. Same. Yeah, okay, awesome. uh, and it was up against the likes of of Alien. Actually, it was in there as well. So it J- beat... Wait, which Alien game? Oh God, <laughs> was <laughs> it, like a generally... the
1: Jaguar AVP game? Proba- was that ninety five? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think that might have been. So, and then I forget what else was in there. Uh, Jurassic Park might have been one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it won, and because uh, rightfully so. No, yeah, was, good for was, them. It was it was, it was uh, very it's... well done. Uh, computer gaming world, uh, named it their adventure game of the year that year. They really loved it, and somewhat ironically, it made their number fourteen spot in their top fifteen most rewarding endings of all time. Which is like, I bet Harlan hated that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet he was <laughs> pissed, pissed like off. Stewing. Oh God, he wanted to make the ending rewarding as, ending. Yeah, no, he he deliberately wanted to make the the endings as least satisfying as possible. You put him on that list. It's like you might as well just kick him right in the balls. Yeah. But uh, like a, it's like yeah. a Star
1: Trek script once.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it it had middling sales. It didn't sell obviously that well. One of the problems, as you can imagine, was censorship. Okay, so mm. not in the states,
1: but well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Germany.
2: Oh, oh, <laughs> how'd you guess? What made you think that? Was uh, it all was it all the concentration camp? Uh, yeah. yeah, no. I bet they really hated Benny. They didn't like Benny's chapter. No. Yeah. So in Germany, uh, it was censored so much that they just completely removed Nimdok's chapter entirely. Oh. Which made it the perfect ending. Oh, it, uh, impossible. Well, the, all the, but impossible. Right? Like, so it turns out that you could technically do it through sheer that? trial and error oh. you had to guess the password that you need from his chapter so maybe that's the addition that uh elson liked the most maybe yeah maybe <laughs> uh, also this is i really love this part the citation used by wikipedia for the fact that you can still guess the password but you know it was impossible <laughs> right. uh, the citation is a 2014 good old games forum post by german user infra superman They read his post, and this guy lives in Germany saying, like, yeah, it's technically possible, but you need to guess the password. And that was their citation Uh. for it, which is, like, listen, God bless you, and for Superman. Thank you for contributing to the sum of all human knowledge with that forum post. Um, Also, as Randy, as you also mentioned, is a very limited market. Okay, so... By the mid-90s, Cyberdreams... How do you advertise? This yeah, yeah, exactly. Cyberdreams had developed this reputation for being a very adult-oriented publisher. And this story was, you know, already notoriously disturbing,
3: mm-hmm.
2: okay? And it was being marketed towards adults. So it's just like, you know... You guys have been doing this this podcast long enough to it's like, yo man, you might as well pull out gun, shoot foot. Like, yeah. it's it's just not a yeah. it's such a limited audience, really, and so it didn't sell very well for that reason. Uh, but I think most thematically, I suppose, is just the the marketing for the game. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Mullick says that he convinced Ellison to add. At least one good inning to the game, okay, which we know is true, okay, but as recently as a 2013 interview with Game Informer, okay, Harlan Ellison continued to insist that he designed the game to be unwinnable, in spite of the obvious evidence that, you know, we know that it wasn't, and the exact quote, I created it so you could not win it. The only way in which you could win was to play it nobly. The more nobly you played it, the closer to succeeding you would come, but you could not actually beat it. And that annoyed the hell out of people. I think Randy, you already mentioned this as well. And in many ways, he was kind of right. The game's the game's ending is impenetrable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's funny you see, like him saying like the the you know the noble path is is the one to victory. Like did he did he have a sign of a perception that gamers wouldn't That's take those options if given the choice, but that's not
2: that is a genuinely good question, yeah. actually. I think, I think he not designed... That not that they're
1: upfront about, like...
2: No, I think he designed the game. I think he wanted the gamers to play it nobly as possible, because I think, I mean, it's hard to play the game. It's hard to get far in the game if you don't play it nobly. But I think that he wanted... I mean, he... what happened was he made this game as art, not a product to sell, you know? So it was just like he kind of got his wish. He kind of, I think he would be pleased by the fact that the game didn't sell that well and a lot of people didn't really. Sure. No, buy? I mean yeah. it's it, he's not driven by money
1: or success like it's.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And think about this too. In he doesn't want anything to come at the expense of out of his artwork. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he got his wish. I think. I think he. I think he. He probably got the product that he wanted. Yeah. And if you think about it. In this era of the then-nascent internet, you, like, coming across a guide to this game would have been tough. Coming across another soul who bought this fucking game... And then managed to stumble <laughs> through its Rubik's cube of an endgame. There's probably
1: some good, like now defunct forums out there from yeah. the mid nineties of like I was
2: just thinking of you like figuring the shit out. Like, I was like, imagine digging up these Usenet <laughs> posts about like, yo, did anybody buy this Harlan Ellison <laughs> game? How the fuck do you beat this? It yeah. is. That's like the type of thing where it's like you figure out the solution by like going on forums and chat yeah. rooms. and so stuff, that's. So. The, I mean,
1: it's like a fez or PT, you know, like yeah. so many years later. Like, so,
2: but. Bottom line, you know, I think Harlan got what he wanted. It didn't sell very well. At least it didn't bomb. I would say, which is, you know, better than you know, it it, it having middling. Uh, I mean, enough there. for Cyber Dreams, I guess, to uh,
1: well develop two more,
2: two more games yeah. and survive for two more years. Oh, and that that's brings to us ninety-seven. <laughs> okay, that brings us uh, to our the next part of our story because, as you shall see. I have no mouth was basically their magnum opus. Yeah. Okay. So then they developed uh, what Croc Two or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, love I love the examples that your brain comes up with. Like it's just like you think like what's a mediocre game from the nineties, Croc Two? It's like, well, I, I guess you're right. It was very mediocre. Yeah.
0: No, don't reward <laughs> <Sell> them.
2: <toothpaste. laughs> <laughs> so, as you mentioned. Two more games. So one was Dark Seed 2, the sequel. Wow, that, okay. It got a sequel. I uh I think it, you know, it probably he, they work with Geiger again. I think it did pretty well. And then uh Dark yeah. Noir, which they worked with a guy, Jeff Blythe, who I've never heard of. And he was some director, there was some Disney attachment to his name, but he was huh. not. Um and that was it. Then they closed their doors 1997. Two years. Two years after after I have no mouth. That's and a two shame. Years later. Okay. And this was largely due to the fact that they never finished any of the games they started making, truly. I wonder what
1: Holdings Group picked that up. I mean, like, for this to get a GOG release or Steam releases.
2: You're asking all the right questions, my friend, and (laughs) I've got your answers. (laughs) So, the thing you need to, from the very start, Cyber Dreams, they kept announcing games, and then just, they got very far into development, and then just never eventually publish them or release them. Okay. And this happened multiple times, seven years, nine announced games that just languished in development. Man, how many
1: people were on staff there? Well, like, and just,
2: yeah, I was, think that how was, how was the worked? problem. They yeah. had a very small staff um, rather than over time building the in-house talent. I think it stayed kind of a small company. And so all these projects, ambitious projects got started and never finished. Their first game wasn't even Darkseed. It was a game called Enforcer that they announced. And then it got through some sort of thing. Oh. In, through some way through development. And then they never finished it. And then Darkseed came, came after. And that was officially their first release game. In 1992, they announced a Gary Gygax-collaborated RPG called Hunters of Raw. Gary Gygax is the biggest name Mm -hmm. in role-playing, okay? And you can look on, there's this site that has all the concept art and all these design ideas. Oh, oh, man. uh, Or Unseen
1: 64, one of those.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. This is like one of those games you start to look up and you're like, this is like a fascinating background. But it was supposed to be the first episode in a series of games where... He was going to be leading this this RPG series. And it's like Gygax Gai- is a big name. From 92 straight to the company closing its tours, it just languored in development. And in 1999, it got released as Legendary Adventure, Legendary with a J. But like that should be, that is kind of just an idea of the opportunities that they let slip through their fingers, essentially. Dang, man. So another big thing they had some is they no, they did that's the that's the, yeah. the mind-blowing part and so the other big thing was in 1995 uh it was obvious cyber dreams did not have the manpower to develop these own games and but they were very good at connecting these celebrity artists yeah. with the developers and game designers that they could work with but and- also
1: the, the tech was increasingly evolving too like pointing clicks were by 97 like kind of falling out of fashion.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And they did try to experiment or At least with, PC
1: adventure games in general like they did try to experiment with other types of games direct that direct character control or something. There was
2: one, yeah. There was one first-person uh fantasy oh, game. That's uh I I have it written down here somewhere. That okay, Elder Scrolls 1. It it kind of looks like Elder <laughs> Scrolls 2 actually, oh, is 2. what I would say. Okay. Yeah, but I uh, I uh, in 95 Uh, It was kind of obvious that they were were best at doing the third-party publishing, and who knows how to steer a company better than investors. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They forced a management shakeup and placed their own—hold on, I have it. uh, The wording is just delightful. Okay. Uh, They placed their own—where is it? Turnaround management team. In charge of the company, the founder, Patrick Ketchum, I don't know if they kicked him out, but he was out the door a year later. And that is like, dude, if your company's five years old and your founder leaves, it's like, you might as well pack it in, man. That vision's just gone. And so for the next two years, they kind of just like, kind of tried to mimic the company's ambition with varying degrees of failure. The last real big name they would ever get. Wes Craven, Principles of Fear, came in 97, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was, yeah, right when Scream was, was around the corner in 97. Fucking A. Yeah, so... 96. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nine, yeah, 96. Yeah. So It was like, that was a big name. The other nine games had talented artists attached to them, but they weren't celebrities. No one had heard of them. So it's like, I feel like what happened was... God, little did they know there'd be like a demand for this type of game yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's really... It's crazy. Because now so, you're seeing a, a real
1: return to form for...
2: For that type of of content. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Wes Craven's Principles of Fear it was too... It was a day late and a dollar short. The company closes doors in 97. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, this would kind of... I Have New Mouth would kind of go on to be like their last big hit. So the real big failure was the fact that they needed to build out their in-house talent. They didn't, they kept contracting the workout. A lot of these opportunities just slipped through their fingers. They, okay. I also want to point out a lot of these games that they were developing. uh, One of them was in an alpha stage and was leaked. Another had a downloadable (laughs) beta. Okay. Uh, The Gygax game was advertised in a magazine. These were games that were far in development. These are not just concepts, but like they were in some state, completed state and just like and they, they just never had to, published they just them. had to kill it like there were two games aries rising and blue heat which i've never heard of they actually managed to see the light of day because after the bankruptcy they were sold to other publishers who just published them they just like it's like they were like close to being published and some other publisher was like fine we'll buy it and just put it out yeah, yeah. Oh, so but
1: yeah i had no idea like
2: yeah yeah
0: so it's very reminiscent of Telltale.
1: It. I almost brought that oh, up earlier. Yeah. It, that is just like the the working with properties and kind of like ballooning to more than what you're capable of. Like that is such an
2: apt,
0: yeah. exact metaphor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the only yeah. difference is that Telltale kind of ballooned too big. They kept growing their staff. Yeah, to the they, point they, where they
1: relocated their offices to yeah, to like, the point
0: where every game was like make or break, and then. They broke it. They broke it. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Really. No wait. Stranger Things uh, partnership was going to save them.
2: Yeah. And Cyber Dreams was
0: probably Netflix. pretty much
2: the opposite. They failed to balloon and then yeah. therefore there was just no one to fucking finish these I yeah, yeah, it it was was finished games. There was just so much on the table though. Like, it was so much on the table. That's, it was. And it's like. Sucks. Yeah. They were going to make a, the, one of the games was a an adaptation of the 1995 movie Species, which Geiger also apparently worked on <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Species. yeah. So but like uh so yeah, but like the Gygax collaboration, like that could have like that was such that, a mis- Potentially under- could have uh, yeah. turned everything around. Yeah. So for all we know. Yeah, so I mean, uh Mike Dawson, who I've mentioned several times before, the game producer who, you know, apparently went into a... had a mental breakdown, but in a post mortem he did say uh it was an inventive strategy that they pursued. Uh, It was a shrewd move by which not only the art of the artist was used, but their celebrity was leveraged. And that was like a thing. And that vision of like using celebrities, I think once the founder left, I think the new management team really did a pale imitation of that because they brought in like, there was like a mystery novelist to write a book, but he wasn't famous. I had never heard of him. So it's like, you can't just bring in talented artists. These people need to be world famous yeah. that's what makes these games and, and also insane. when
1: you say celebrity like they're not using their name like they're not exploit like it, it is totally no. like no, no, no. a collab a that's, collaboration yes. like, that is well that's what he yeah. what he meant was that, that be a part like, of
2: every step of this
1: process I mean. yeah
2: and that's why you said it was a, it was a shrewd move it gave the artist the chance to 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 like show off this work in which case is like you yeah. aren't just using their name you're using the the art that they made it's it it's they know they, they, they made. were very thoughtful and yeah. and like so uh i speculate that maybe some of the reason these games were left unpublished is maybe there was a bit of a perfectionist streak in this company where they were like yeah, this doesn't yeah. mean because the other games as you can see were very lovingly crafted right there was a standard that, there was a standard yeah. there that was too high i think at once patrick left he so he left he just left for uh he went for a career in photography i think he just kind of got bored i I think he kind of was just like yo i had my fun i hung out with geiger i hung out with sid Mead. i got to got to you know chill with ellison i think he was kind of just like Like, shit under his belt but i know you mean
1: like they they weren't going to publish anything unless they like believed in it believed in it
2: fully so uh but in the end cyber dreams catalog was uh quite small five games but it constituted some very high quality games especially their first three
0: yeah Yeah. i
2: think probably uh dark seed Probably uh, an interesting artifact. We'll of have gaming. to take a look at that sometime that would, that would if be we fun can. To play. Yeah. But um, so Cyber Dreams dissolved in 1997, and so did the Dreamers Guild. That was the developers who did it. Oh. Dreamers Guild, I think, just went straight bankrupt. I don't think they. I think they they published a lot like probably like a dozen or more games beside or or developed, and uh, uh, I think the sales just weren't there. It wasn't really a bad nothing. Not really a bad uh company strategy just they well, it's, the, they the shift
1: was also you know moving away
2: moving away as you mentioned so but with the publisher the and the developers stuff. both disappearing in the exact same year actually i uh, the game became bona fide abandonware so yeah. i don't know how this works but because they both dissolved neither company owned the rights to the game and so it just the game went out of print for close to 15 years. That was uh, until the 2010s and uh, our favorite late night Discord subject <laughs> uh, finally came, uh, finally arrived in the gaming market which is digital downloads. And so, obviously, I mean, I'm not gonna get into that subject but one of the effects of obviously digital downloading is that games didn't have a life cycle anymore. You, They didn't have to die by going out of print. And then, around 2010, good old games launched and that meant that games already out of print no longer had to stay dead yeah okay and so finally it really was we saw in 2010s there was a huge tidal wave of old out of print media that got re-released to you on know, modern systems on like, modern yeah. systems yeah and good old games obviously does a phenomenal job they add in the fan patches so in the end it was only a matter of time before i have no mouth was ready to make its it's really just a spectacular return. It just yeah,
1: like a resurface of people that never yeah. got, to, got
2: to got to try it out. Yeah, and so, it. the company that got to herald its resurrection was none other than Night Dive Studios. Who I don't know ah. if you guys remember what they mm-hmm. they did Night Dive, yeah, very famous for. Well, they're a company that specifically buys old abandoned. Yeah, anywhere. no, this is kind of what they do. They, they yeah. ju- most recently uh, with Torok
1: one and Torak, oh, yes.
2: Yeah. And so, famously launched with the resurrection of System Shock Two
1: yes, yeah. I, I I don't know if they're in charge of the three or remake or what's going on there, but
2: no idea, yeah. but Nighttime is a, like a, a big name, and they're 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 big fans, they clearly like yeah. like love doing this, and uh it was doing the long... Lord's work with this like just they... art, like preservation aspect of like they a... are for sure, and not only that, but uh it wasn't long after their founding, so the company f- was founded in 2013. By September twenty thirteen, I have no mouth was on there. was in oh, their damn. was in their <laughs> scope was oh, yeah, in Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This was right. not like like it took long for them to get it. I think they I think this was very early on their priority list. They knew and so uh September twenty thirteen, good old saw release on good old games, Steam mm-hmm. release not not long after, same year. And since then it has snowballed into a very hardcore following of enthusiasts and fans for sure and funnily enough when it once had difficulty uh with its disturbing content and shocking material it's found new life among an audience that is not only uh desensitized to a shock but now actively seeks that shock out
0: i feel like Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, no, I, yeah, so, (laughs) um, Night Dive is doing the System Shock remake, okay, Okay.
1: yeah, so, no, that's why I said, I was just like, uh, nope, you described, like, it's just, you know, you want, you want to dabble with, uh, the, the, the
2: darker side of, of gaming, it's, oh, yeah, I think people, nowadays, it's where you go, that's how you, yeah, they fascinated. They eat that stuff up yeah. with a spoon these days. Uh-huh. It was like it's almost too good of, to be true of a game to find, you know. Same Harvester, I think, is like you yes. said, yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, so uh it's definitely it is it is uh it has definitely found a new life. I think it's probably getting now getting the attention that it deserves. It's uh you know, it's I was thinking I've
0: also re released Harvester.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
0: I, I think I'm gonna play that game. I think Phantasmagoria
1: yeah. might have been them as well. Yeah. yeah. And Night Trap. And, and they mm.
0: also did the recent remake of Quake. that just came out.
2: Oh, that's a good remake. Yeah. All like, of these games, all those games you just mentioned, Harvest or Phantasmagoria. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like those are like yeah, those are ripe for the picking. I, for... I will
1: say that, I, and that I have no mouth is like the perfect thing uh, to like to be remade. Yeah, like I really like one day maybe. I just think you'd have to find the. I think it's primed to be like, because yeah. you can you can keep intact a lot of those those elements that yeah. uh, you know yeah Ellison had, but then that that are still relevant. But just give it a modern treatment. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh. So punch up Benny's chapter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, I yeah. mean, imagine doing redoing that chapter with the uh the better. Storyline of of him coming to terms with his homosexuality. Like, what yeah, if he was? What no, if he was right. a closeted gay man? Like, and that was his thing. It's like, yeah, yeah that would be interesting. E- even
1: if it wasn't in the uh, in the gaming space, it's like I'm yeah. I'm kind of a surprise. This never was. Uh,
0: yeah, the novel. You no know, attempt to revisit.
1: Yeah, or or just like, <laughs> the novelization again, or of as the a game from uh, 1995, you know, a TV oh, yeah. show or film. Even you know, That's,
0: yeah. So they should I, turn it into a first person shooter. <laughs> That's my that's my input.
2: The only award that would win is like the worst adaptation <laughs> of like a linear narrative. but uh as for Harlan Ellison, he did pass away in twenty eighteen, but obviously he had plenty of time to reflect upon all yeah. of this uh from interviews. He seemed very pleased with how the product turned out. He never he never put it down. He never said it turned out awful. I don't like it. He seemed pleased. In fact, if yeah, anything, yeah. I think he was genuinely I think he was genuinely tickled by the fact that it didn't sell that well and, and he thought people were annoyed. Still continued to insist that he made it unbeatable. Uh which fine. Just let him, you know, if that's how he felt. Um in terms of sales.
1: Yeah, this is
2: this I kind of like I want to know. I mean, is that information out there? Uh I don't know the sales numbers that he got, but he says in terms of royalties, he made uh basically no money off of this game because obviously the game the company closed up within 2 years and a lot of royalties are like they're perpetual so you expect to make the money back over time versus like upfront sum. Mm. Uh he claims And I mean, Harlan strikes me as a dude who is prone to exaggeration, but he claims that when Cyber Dreams went belly up, the CEO absconded with all the company's money, his royalties included. So he basically says that the CEO stole the money, which I could not find any verification or validation for this information, but what a story that would be. Seriously. It's like, but, but, uh, well, so also at that point, MGM was the distributor of the game. And so, you know, they were still they were still around for him to talk to about money. The settlement came to almost nothing, not one to take one lying down and just chalk it up to a loss. He negotiated for some of the lost cash in the form of unsold units of the game and several thousands of the mouse pads that came in the game box. (laughs) And that leads us to our our final final note of the night. Two of them actually together, yeah. Randall, where do you think all of those unsold physical copies of the game might have ended up? Who do you think might have found those? Oh, oh we have a winner! Um, <laughs> limited run
1: games. I was pointing to a uh, a, uh, a a piece of our decor in the studio of of the the limited physical release of, of Night Trap of Night Trap. <laughs> yes,
2: limited run games. Okay, and this. I mean, this is just a mind blowing coincidence on August. Nobody 10th, saw this coming on August 10th. Well, actually, August 9th, they announced it the night before they were going to do it. On yeah, August they deleted
0: the tweet immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, they
2: deleted it. Mm hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> on August. tenth.
0: 10th... Randy screenshotted it. I did. Yeah. Nothing gets past me. Oh God! Just when it na-
2: comes to dude, a Twitter feat with a rare pressings script. of yeah. yeah. <laughs> so on August tenth, Black Ass Games Limited Run Games got their hands on these unsold copies of the game and uh, decided to drop us scraps from their banquet table <laughs> so that we could rend our flesh over one hundred hiddly ass copies <laughs> of this probably one of the most rare sought after games of all time okay and not only that but it's like listen to what co- what listen to what came with it okay uh it included uh the original unopened physical release of the game enclosed within the box set so it, it came with the unopened copy of the game so that they weren't gonna you mm-hmm. know you just had the original copy um, and then along I, with, I guess were
1: either just shelved or, or recalled, or just like eventually. It was
2: Harley Ellison's personal collection. Those were the games that he negotiated with. Remember, yeah. he, so he he <laughs> so as a form of royalties, he was like, if I can't get the royalty money, give me copies of my own game. He never got rid of them. That this was from his unreleased collection that those people bought up. Uh, Holy. Okay. Shit. I, I thought these were like sent back. Like, no, you know, like, no, no. These were, these literally probably incredible. sat in a vault or a closet somewhere. And probably when Harlan died in 2018, his estate probably was like, what are we gonna do with these limited run games? We're probably like, dude, our specialty is preserving the yeah. the history of these games. Yeah. Let us sell it for you, and they probably were like, okay, yeah, it's fine. It's like, the
1: most impressive thing that group has ever done, and and they've oh, come yeah. up on this show a few times now. But like, yeah,
2: I mean, I make fun of limited run games, but at the same time, it's like they're doing God's work. Yeah, th- making, this felt
1: different. Like th- th- yeah. there is a little bit of artificial and dem- demand with like some of their previous
2: I mean it's possible that there was only 100 l- units of the game actually in its No collection. that's what I mean that, yeah. that's what, this this like was yeah. this was a separate <laughs> yeah so uh, event entirely uh so in the in the box set uh Well I, I, and I
1: should point out real quick that there was 100 unsold copies of the Windows PC version there were 300 of the Mac I didn't oh, know assertion.
2: that. Actually, shit, I didn't know that. I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea. You know
1: why I know that? How? All right. Um. So we're gonna do a live reveal on the air. Um. This literally we just what? came in over the no. weekend. No. What? Yeah, you
3: guys what
1: right? is about to happen?
0: There is no fucking way. An audio unboxing, ladies and gentlemen, he is pulling out. The dog is very excited. Oh yeah, fuses. You. Oh my <laughs> god, it's glory. Holy. Wait, let me see. Lee. Holy crap!
2: I don't fucking believe it. Oh, oh my god. It has god. the speech on the on back. The back. Yeah. Dude, that is one of the most beautiful boxes I have ever seen. Oh, I've been
1: sitting here stewing. I, like, just...
2: how did you keep that in till the end of this entire recording session? <laughs> you are the man. I can't believe you. Dude,
1: I've been so like just. God, when I did was that just... come in? Yeah, I was just amped to, this is for you all to see this. Uh, the, the, over the weekend. That was like Saturday, like before the <laughs> year thing. Like I. <laughs>
2: I am so genuinely impressed with you guys. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. I. Oh my god, dude. So n- you now realize that maybe that he is, held it. That's li- maybe. <laughs> yeah. That came from his collection, man. Yeah. Good for you, man. <laughs> I am floored. I, yeah,
1: I, and uh, I guess they were uh, limited run. Put um, put them out for two hundred, and. Um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough. So the the Windows copies went up technically four or six seconds before noon, and were yeah, they're gone immediately. Yeah, they were gone. These stayed up for slightly longer. Um, uh, <laughs> here's one at Macari right now going for nine eighty. So as you can see, uh, scal- oh scalpers and flippers.
2: Uh, you found a copy of it jumped
1: on jumped on this shit fast. No, no, no. Well, I found a copy of my car. They, they just started coming in. Oh, god! Um, yeah. Usually limited run stuff uh, takes a little while because they have to, you know, actually produce them. But yeah. because these were, you know, that's incredible. There, yeah, that, that it, it didn't take to um, didn't take too long. But Randall, I, uh, I just, it's a I am... piece of gaming history. We we wanted this artifact. Me and Austin discussed it for. You know, yeah. For no. the room, like I think this... are you
2: gonna you gonna gonna place it up on your trophy oh, case? Yeah, uh, yeah. You've, bravo. You bravo. I... You knew about this? Oh yeah. <laughs> you. Are... I didn't know it came in. Yeah. I knew he bought it. Right? I, I have no
1: intention at all of of, of you know of, of selling uh, it. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, you it, keep it's... that.
2: That is really just one of truly a marvelous find. <laughs> truly, <laughs> it's fucking striking. And and honestly, it's I didn't just mean like, to... no, I can't believe you guys were like, I can't believe you were able to to keep that. <laughs> Held in the entire time.
1: I've been waiting.
2: Wow, for that
1: you know, the so, but da moment I could I could pull since
2: well since we aren't going to be we're going to be leaving that nice and pristine. I shall read off what you now own, Randy, inside of <laughs> yes, this. Yes, so, yeah, lay it on me. Uh, an original I sure it's
1: fucking gonna take
2: a. Oh yeah, no, do not a open. letter that. opener. No, that... I, dude, don't even. Don't ever <laughs> open that. So the original unopened physical release of the game enclosed within the box. So within the box there is a ninety five. Yes, copy of that of of the box itself yeah. in there. Uh, it comes with a bearing mouse tilt. pad bearing Harlan's face, so one of the mouse pads. <laughs> uh, a hate so USB you know. drive, so just a USB drive with hate printed yeah, it's on the side. Little goopy looking. It's, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a face mask, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> relevant at the times. So yeah. yeah, a foil sticker, an enamel pin, and an individually numbered lithograph. So basically, the number of the the collector. Gotcha. I am, so right. and
1: to Shame. top it all I'm off that
2: sticker <laughs> the the best thing in this box by far a bronze cast figurine of the great soft jelly <laughs> is in that <laughs> box which is just imagine the oh, reaction man. of that having that on your desk so <laughs> as you mentioned uh, the collector's edition was 200 dollars on limited run games limit one per customer yeah that did not stop the game from selling out before the before the second hand even passed the 12 oh, yeah. no i was
1: pissed because i was oh, yeah. i was going for the uh, windows version and
2: <laughs> yeah. So they so just to put that in perspective within milliseconds they collected $20,000 instantly. Instantly, Oof. which is like my god.
0: Not to mention the 300 Mac copies would be an additional 60,000. Oh my there god. There you go. So 80,000. <laughs> I wonder how <laughs> much it cost minutes. them
2: to buy the unsold units though, cuz if they made $80,000, how much do you think it cost them to pick up the games? I don't know.
1: Cuz a, a lot of limited stuff uh are usually between 3000 and 8000 units on average and yeah. some some of the earlier ones a little less some of the the more popular ones a little more but yeah this was a a special kind of like
2: oh yeah <laughs> So I mean, again, goes to show you the popularity of this game now has.
1: I know I yeah. wasn't expecting, and uh, like, because I—it's funny. Uh, full disclosure: I was actually in search for a, a physical uh, edition of this game prior to that announcement it because was... because I, I wanted to find you one. Yeah. and oh, and, and oh. Yeah,
0: and like, for like a gift. He was good because like, we. <laughs> full disclosure to the audience: We've had the idea to do this episode for quite some time. <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. We saved it for Halloween. Um, and yeah, me and Randy were looking up physical copies. Was that for Matt's birthday?
1: I think so. Back in May. Was it
0: tough to find? It was impossible. Impossible. I found there was
1: one eBay listing for 1900 bucks or something like that. God, I found
0: two. I found another copy. There were two copies. One was sealed in the box, the big box with the mouse pad for 1900. And the other one was just a jewel case yeah oh with the the, none of the other goodies inside with, yeah. for like a couple hundred bucks that's yeah. still quite a lot for a yeah. tool case uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so and uh, then all of a sudden when this happened there, there those even be- <laughs> there were like people who were like i own that it's worth 200 bucks and there was like more listings of the original wow or, wow yeah that <laughs> makes <laughs> but, sense Yeah, yeah but a um, lot of them are missing the mouse pad <laughs> so but they are yeah that's true uh, so well, well,
2: we know what happened to the unsold units of the game. There's one sitting literally right in front of me right now. <laughs> uh, but what about the mouse yeah, pads? Hold it. And yeah. this is uh this is also a very very funny story. Yeah, let's uh, power. So Harlan, he got the mouse pads. He decided to simply donate them to the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society. He was probably close. Oh, he was probably cool. close to these people. A lot of fantasy and sci-fi authors get close to like these societies because they're you know they. There is fans essentially. Yeah. Uh, so this society was responsible for the uh, running the North American Science Fiction Convention, also in Los Angeles. And so, what did they do with them? They gave them away in these swag bags of the nineteen ninety 1990, 1999 expo that they had. <laughs> and so they just gave them away which is like if you think about it, a mouse pad is like, that is what you get in swag bags. That's yeah. it. And they just gave they just they didn't have away. to set an
1: alarm in their phone to, uh, yeah.
2: to <laughs> yeah. desperately. Free-
1: yeah, Order. no, they didn't
2: have to claw their way through through a hundred other people to get <laughs> yeah. their uh to get their mouse pad. Fucking bots. But uh so once that was done, they they filled all the bags that they needed. Um they still had a bunch left over. And so what they decided to do with all the leftovers were collected, and a couple of very talented people made an outfit out of the mouse pads, actually, uh, and it was a full costume, and one of the creators, her name was, I have it here, Colleen Crosby, she actually got to wear it. It's kind of like a dress and a hat sort of thing. She wore it and walked across stage in full costume and posed with Ellison at the convention that year, oh, and he that's there's a photo of him. He looks so amused by this, <laughs> and she looks <laughs> so proud of this. this. Has you to be in our thumbnail. Yeah. You need to look up this photo <laughs> of her posing in this dress, and it it is really fabulous. <laughs> uh, and he seems so pleased with that. And uh, I think that's that's where I'll end it right there. That's uh, no, that's, that's, the, that's such a good high that, note. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I got to uh, let me see if uh, I'll see if I can. Uh, find that photo but in the meantime feel free to you know <laughs> uh,
0: wrap everything up I suppose alright yeah well thanks Matt for hosting oh yes um, a million thank you, Please to you. sincerely that ask is, me anytime uh, yeah, it's <laughs> been a hell of a four hours <laughs> I can't believe yeah, it's, it's 1230 in the morning yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Wow. But, um, and thank you all for listening if you want to know more about some of the other stuff we mentioned or any we got oh yeah uh, this is just the beginning we're coming up on 100 episodes
2: yes yeah you are
0: sometime next year we got like this will be like 90 91 something like that um yeah we're getting there uh you can find all of our episodes and more and the halloween episodes to come and our Anniversary coverage and our game of the year coverage, yeah, all that.
1: And if you're into that creepy stuff like us, then then dig yeah. to, dig into our 2018 and 2019.
2: No, 20. How long have we been doing this?
0: 2019 and 2020 Halloween.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I found it by the way. The photo of uh of. Oh, it's on movie Games of all things. Movie yeah, Games, I used Moby to write games. for them. Yeah, I've I gotten.
1: To, a, I used to, I used to get a lot of. Uh,
2: yeah, I like that. I mean, it's uh, they're, they're a great for resource for uh, this type of historical. Oh content, yeah, they have a lot too, of so. like finer yeah. details. So of, check it out. Look at how pleased she looks, and look at how amused he looks. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, and it's very 90s like flash photography <laughs> photo for sure. Uh, God. Yeah, That's it's great. wonderful. Say, yeah, show it. Randy.
0: <laughs> it's just
2: straight it, She made an entire dress or I guess they made an entire dress uh, out of it, which is just wonderful. Sick. It's a very that's a very 90s sci-fi uh-huh. fan thing to do. <laughs> I also think it's like it's very fun that like, you know, he was just at the convention like that. Oh, yeah. To yeah. See it, but, out.
0: but yeah. Alright. Anyway. Alright. Yeah, cool. thanks. Check out hotbuttoncast.com for all our episodes and more. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. And Follow us on social media for news about future episodes. Like okay, yeah, hot button cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right,
1: everybody, put your hands in on the. the, the, the... Uh, oh yeah, okay. The mythical like uh... oh
2: yeah, everybody put your hands. We're gonna we're, we're gonna recite the mantra. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. If I like it. cut that open, our faces are Hold gonna on. melt. Like
2: oh yo, if we actually look inside of it, like yeah, our faces are gonna melt. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like all the all the Nazis' faces melt as we look at it. Our our souls get trapped within the game box. Hate, hate, hate. It is so. Yeah, it really is. Like, what a marvelous looking thing. It's all, it's all foil and shiny. And on the back of it is just the the hate speech from the monologue that we had mentioned. So, mm-hmm. all, right. all right. Well, thanks for listening. If uh, if this if this uh, episode comes out well before Halloween, Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, it's not going to come up before Halloween. Let's see. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Good night, Bye. everybody. Good night.